You know, I saw something on social media that suggests <laughs> that you and I have something in common. Well, you and my wife have something in common. Really? Yes. Okay. You were raving about a new product, which I happened oh. to have a couple of weeks ago ordered when I saw it online. I thought, this is perfect for Sharon. So I ordered it, and then now you're talking about it on social media. Has she opened it and used it and everything? Well, she's opened it, and it's sitting on the island in the kitchen. Yeah. She, it's the, um, what do you call it? The heated... The heated coffee mug. Yes. Or, yeah, it doesn't have to be coffee, but yes, it's a heated mug. He don't, well, she, yeah, she uses it for hot water. Apparently, you, uh, with your phone, you set it. It's called Ember something, oh. and you set it, and it's, it keeps the liquid in the cup at a certain temperature all day long. I'd like to do ads for them if they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love this thing, and I'm so mad. I think I got it for Father's Day, and it just sat in my house. Oh, well, you like, never used it. Because you had to download an ad. You know, it's a whole thing. Yeah. It's always a whole thing. Yeah. And my wife, I could tell she was getting pissed off. Oh, so you used it, and now you love it. I'm looking around for things to heat all day long. <laughs> I can't stop. Like, That's like me and the ice machine. Have we talked? Did we discuss yeah, oh, the yeah. ice machine? Ice machine. Now yeah. I'm drinking all kinds of things yeah. I'd never drink just to find something right. to use the ice with. Same yeah. with, same with yeah. the mug. Yeah. So awesome. So what do you put? Well, you're a coffee drinker. Coffee guy. See, yeah. I would never use the mug because I don't drink hot items. <laughs> yes, you don't. I don't. What about really. soup? You like a nice soup? You can put soup yeah, in there? Yeah, but it's and... too small. I got, I cheat, she, it's funny because I, I saw this online in one of the articles that had recommendations for the holidays. And I thought, oh my God, this would be perfect for Sharon yeah. because she likes hot water and she sits at her desk and she does work and she'd like for the hot water to stay hot all the time. Makes sense. And I thought... And then they offered me two different sizes, and oh. I guess I got cheap in my old age, and I got her the smaller of the two sizes. Now I wonder what and, size I have. Well, here's the funny thing. I, I don't think of her as somebody who needs a giant mug. So she opens the mug, and she says, oh, my God, this is great. This is a great idea. I love the... Uh, God, too bad it's not bigger. And I was oh. like, oh, for <laughs> God's sake. Too bad it's not bigger. Too bad well, it's not a bigger one. They don't make a bigger one. I was like, they kind of do. <laughs> Wait, how <laughs> like for like twelve dollars more, I could have right. gotten the bigger one. How how small is it? Is it just it's like, like a little coffee mug? Ours is just like a little coffee mug. I think that's mine too. And it sits on like a little circular oh. thing that keeps it. And you set it with your phone. You say you sure do. One hundred and twelve degrees or whatever it is. Yeah, you just push the little yeah. little thing over. Uh, to she, what? she hasn't started to use it yet, but oh. I'm like, oh, it's great. One thirty nine. I like mine right at one thirty nine. One thirty nine. When I sit home alone, when I'm working at home and everyone's yeah. gone, I keep the house around sixty four. It's really cold in there. Yeah. And so, because you schwitz. You're like... Oh, yeah. It's you just... know who you're like? You're like Mike Tirico. <laughs> okay. <laughs> his famous first TV sportscast when we were, oh, when yes. we were juniors, in, <laughs> he told me, juniors yeah. in college in 1987 or 88. Um, you're like Whitney Houston. Yeah. Right? All the, all the greats. I think uh, the, the, the shark... Jerry Tarkanian used to have a towel that yeah. he had all around. I think John Thompson was a Schwitzer. Oh, yeah. You're a Schwitzer from way back. Patrick Ewing at the free throw line. Just, always Schwitzer. Oh, <laughs> never saw a guy drip more than him. So it's always cold in my house, and you make yeah. a coffee, it's cold in like 10 minutes. This is I a game see, changer. you keep it at 64 degrees. Yeah, that's right. I see. This is so I incredible. It. I love it. And, I and you don't have to have it in the, in the little base to keep it hot. You can take it anywhere. It's Bluetooth. Is there any chance one of their uh, PR people are listening oh. to this right now? Hey, it's Hot Shots got here for Ember eating we, mugs. We can we can make a buck here. Yeah, let's do it. I'm uh, in. I'm anyway, in. episode 170. That's the voice of Hot Shots, Scott. It's the uh, the holiday season. So you got this a long time ago. Yes. I, I just love the holidays. You do. I do. I've, I've talked about this before. You know, I, I heard your suggestion to Slickhawk about going on those like coolest gifts of the year type things. Yeah. yeah. And I always look at that as like clickbait. Like, nah, they're trying to trick me. I yeah. just No, no, no. 
It's pretty awesome. You got, you, no, <laughs> You're, the, it's a good idea. Well, the truth is you've got to find the right writers. Okay. And I don't mean to be snobby about this, but yeah. we actually had a guy on the show a year ago who wrote for Forbes and every year he would write like, you know, 15 or 20 items under 200 bucks or under a hundred bucks yeah. that are cool for Christmas. You got to find the ones that you don't think are getting paid off right. by the yeah, companies yeah. that do it. If you find the right ones, there are lists out there that come up yeah. and you'll see ideas that you're like, whoa, I never knew that even existed. My wife would like that or my kid would like that. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm a big believer. Already big found believer. something for Piper that I think Which, she's going to dig. Can you tell us? Yeah, it's like a little camera lens that you put, you put on your phone that it gives you like a cooler shot when you're filming yourself. Nice. Because she yeah. can't stop filming her herself like most kids these days she cannot stop between tiktok and snapchat it's non-stop so this will give maybe like a cool like you know fishbowl video look uh, anyway that was a nice. good call see you're you're already in the the holiday spirit i that's love right. the holiday spirit like our our holiday has been over for a long time hanukkah came very early so we're done yeah we're done but still there's something i've always said this on the show going back to the old radio show there's something about this two or three week period actually the whole time between thanksgiving and new year yeah that i just love there's an energy there's a pal i'll go sit in the mall yeah. i'll just hang out and just watch people going back and forth there's like um there people are smiling people yeah. seem to be smiling people are enjoying getting things for others there's just the christmas music you and i've talked about this i know i play for the other team but i love christmas music yeah just, I love this time of year. I I'm really do. I do. Yeah. I do. Except for when people email or send shitty tweets. Other than that kind of stuff during this time of year, I love it too. Other than that. <laughs> Are we going there now? <laughs> no, let's not. I want to run something by you really yeah. quick and then we can go there. Okay. As you know, I like to have like a college football game from 1991 on or something while I'm working. I always have some old sporting yeah. event on. Like I, classic ESPN yeah, stuff. Well, like I just, yeah, I find that on YouTube. Classic. Oh, on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But I just love Keith Jackson's yeah. voice. Like of course. So I stumbled upon. Across a game from 1991, two yes. two undefeateds, both four and zero. Yes, number one against number ten in college football. Yes, the Florida State Seminoles. Yes, and the Syracuse, whatever they're called. Well, back then they would have been the Orange Men, Orange now men. the Orange. Yes, right at right. Doak Walker Stadium, of course, in Tallahassee. Of course, great place to go see a football game. Syracuse gets the ball first on yes. their own twelve. First play of the game, a David Walker forty-four yard run. Ah, uh, like, David Walker. Do you remember Love that name? Really? Of course. Okay. Of course. Next play, running back, the yeah. old flea flicker for forty-four yards to Kadri Ismail. Oh yeah, who I completely forgot went to Syracuse. Yes, yes, you, yes. Okay, it's seven nothing Syracuse. Yeah. Florida State answers with an uh, and then the. 94-yard kickoff return by Ismail. 94-yard. They're yeah. at 14-7 on Florida State. Never well, won. his brother won the Heisman. Didn't his brother win the Heisman, I or think, did he never win the Heisman? I don't think the Rocket won it. Rahib went to Notre Dame, and he, he was the Rocket. Yeah. We called um, Quadri Ismail the missile. The missile, yes. Yeah, and we called their mom the launching pad. <laughs> I like it. That's good. Yeah, they, she should have had like 10 boys. They would have all been in the NFL. But yeah. So I was like, 14-7, this is going to be a hell of a game. Final score, 46 to yeah. 14. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> Ruined it for me. I was I'm like, sure. I stumbled across a, a gem sure. here. I was long gone by then. Yeah, I know. I just don't remember Syracuse really I ever long gone. being good. Oh, we were? Yeah. Well, when I was there, I've told you this story. When I was there in 87, yeah. Syracuse was the third ranked team in the country. Wow. Undefeated going into the Sugar Bowl against Auburn. Pat Dye. And they yeah. tied because Pat Dye went for the tie instead of for the win. He kicked mm. the field goal at the end to tie. 
Syracuse wasn't going to win the national championship anyway because I think one versus two was being played in another bowl, and they were three. But they were oh. undefeated, number three in the country. Wow. Yeah. The, 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 the runner-up to the Heisman, Tim Brown won the Heisman that year in 87, I think. Okay. And the runner-up was our quarterback named Don McPherson. Okay. The coach's name was Dick McPherson. So we had McPherson and McPherson, yeah. and they went undefeated into the Sugar Bowl. Wow. Not that anybody cares about any of this yeah. <laughs> on episode 170. Maybe we should change. All right, let's change. Just curious Please. if you remember that, that, that team in that game. Uh, I, I think there may have, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of. It was cool, though. I vaguely remember. All right. They were good. They were good. Yeah. Good team. They were good. Yep. Uh, Please subscribe on any major podcast platform. Become a patron at $5 a month at MitchUnfiltered.com. Remember, I say it every week. I'll say it again, especially this time of season. If for any reason the $5 fee is uncomfortable for you and you want all this extra content, the last thing in the world I want is for people not to be able to hear what they want to hear from us because they don't want to spend the $5 or they can't spend the $5, just write me Mitch Unfiltered or Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. I'm not going to ask questions. I'll take care of it. I'll make sure that that everybody is taken care of. And we want you to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or write me at MitchUnmitchUnfiltered.com. If you don't want to leave your rating and review on Apple Podcasts, you can write me your note like Frank in Tacoma. So we are going there. Okay. (laughs) Well... Do you not want me to go there? No, I, I'm ready. Let's do it. It's funny because we, we record this on a Sunday, Sunday night, Sunday afternoon. So last night, which would have been Saturday night, I sit typically on a late Saturday night once uh, everything calms down in the house after basketball games and so forth. And I put the show together and I was thinking about what we call this, the tease segment, which is supposed to be like eight minutes or two minutes or three right. minutes. And we just, But it goes on forever and ever where we tell everybody what's going to be on the show. And typically here's where I read listener reaction and listener email yes and i was going through the listener reaction and listener email from last week and i was like nothing's really that compelling and i was like i wonder what i should do in the honest i i, I, I kid you <laughs> as i was thinking that yeah yeah something came into my email box that was like thank you somebody was on the same wavelength and needed to get something off their chest yeah. which saves us for the tea segment it was frank in tacoma if he if he really exists He writes, all these people that complain about you guys producing too much content and too long of shows are way off the mark. Now, I read that and I'm thinking, here's a compliment. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Keep it going. We love it. It's not the length or quantity, he says. Oh, boy. It's the quality of the shows, which is severely lacking. Where do I begin, dot, dot, dot? (laughs) At this moment, I'm reading it. I'm thinking what Hotshot would say if he was reading this is people really take the time to write this stuff. Still confused. Why can't they just hate you and just quietly hate you and not listen? It'd be nice. Or reach out to you. Forget listen. Why is he reaching out to you? Tracking you down to get your email address. (laughs) Like, what the hell? It's the quality of the show's Hotshot, which is severely lacking. Where do I begin? And he's got numbers one through four. Yeah. One, you are over the hill. Oh, Not you, me. Yeah. You used to be funny and insightful, but that was about 10 years ago. Number two. Well, I did say on Twitter that, you know, you should be happy because at least you were funny 10 years ago, whereas (laughs) most people have never been funny in their life. So at least you had a moment where you were funny. That's good. I think most people are funny at times in their life. No. You think most people are funny? At times in their life. Yeah. Hmm. See, I'm not saying that they're funny people. Like they're a that's funny what I'm person. Saying. Oh, yeah, that's what you're saying. Yeah, like I'm really, saying, just people have a have a knack of moments. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. They're 15 seconds of funniness. Yes. 
Uh, number two, your partner, Hotshot Scott. Oh, God. Turn it down. Says he's a Huskies and Seahawks fan <laughs> oh, no, not and doesn't know Jermaine Curse. <laughs> That's right. I have no idea who that is. It's not, it's not Jerome Kersey? No, it's not Jerome oh. Kersey. Uh, number three, don't get me started about Joe Fan. <laughs> Just take a Fans catching shrapnel for some reason. Absolutely. <laughs> Number four. Don't get me started. I wanted him to get started. Your guests, dot, 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 are better at night than melatonin or a sleeping pill. Super hacky, funny joke. And then he writes, should I continue, dot, dot, dot. The bottom line is, and this is the part that I did not tweet. The bottom line is, is that no one would complain, even your six patrons, about too much content if the shows were even moderately entertaining, happy holidays. Happy holidays. <laughs> oh, he had to add that part. Uh, moderately entertaining is what we're go. shooting for. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Beat the Boys is coming up this week. We've got, uh, we're getting down to the nitty gritty. Everybody who beats us is a winner of a prize. I guess Frank in Tacoma is probably not playing. No, he's probably playing. Of course he's playing. He's probably playing. He loves the show. He can't stop. By the way, does does Frank not own a shift key? There was no capitals. There's there's no grammar. No nothing. It's like a four-year-old wrote it. I was like, really? No shift key at all? You can't put one capital in here? It was just kind of bothering me, but... Oh... God. Beat the boys. Sorry. Go ahead. Beat the boys. Week, week 15 is coming. It's all brought to you by Fireside Home Solutions. We love fire, Fireside Home Solutions. Great time for a new fireplace. And John's team is awesome. And they're great sponsors. They sponsor this contest. They make this contest possible. Firesidehomesolutions.com. All right. Week 15 is coming up. The games will be Washington football team at the Eagles, Titans at the Steelers, Packers at the Ravens, code word, Tiger. Ah, okay. Washington football team at the Eagles, Titans at the Steelers, week 15, Packers at the Ravens, code word, Tiger. Guests on this particular episode of Mitch Unfiltered, Joe and Brady make up the Seahawks no table. I'm sorry that these are all going to put Frank and Tacoma to sleep. Rick Neuheisel (laughs) on his favorite bowl games and the new head coach at Oregon. Oregon's got a new head coach. And the Jake Hayner decision, which we're going to talk about here in the other stuff segment. Really like that young guy. Longtime college football writer Ivan Mazel. Now, Ivan Mazel, do you know the name Ivan yes. Mazel? Great college football writer for a lot of years. However, uh, many years ago, he lost a son to suicide, and he wrote a book that's out now that's called I Keep Trying to Catch His Eye, and it's been incredibly well-received. Okay. He's doing the rounds to uh, promote the book. It's obviously a heavy topic, sure. but there's actually humor in it, and and there's just... The grieving process. I think. I think it's a. It's a worthy conversation, especially this time of year where we're all in the festive mood. But there's some people who struggle during the holiday season. Sure, probably more than just about any other part of the year. So, yep. Ivan Mazel will be our guest, longtime college football writer and expert, with his book called "I Keep Trying to Catch His Eye" about his son Max, who oh. passed away due to suicide. Uh, episode 107. Do you have anything left to say before we uh, finish the T segment? <laughs> I just want to. I just have so many questions about this Frank guy. It's really driving me nuts. Why is the you're the, letting him get you under your skin? Well, not really. But why is the Jermaine Curse thing setting people off that I got his name wrong and now I don't know who Jermaine Curse is? Why is that? W- w- was I not in the south end zone as he oh, fires oh, the ball here, here over come, my head? Here, here comes the uh, the defense mechanism. Yeah, I mean, it's go. like people make the jump from I make I say someone's name wrong too. I don't know who that is. 
Why is that? Yeah. He doesn't even know who Jermaine Curse is. Well, of course you know who Jermaine Curse is. Okay, of course, but not to he went to Lakes people. High School yeah. in uh, Lakewood, Washington, outside of Tacoma. He was a he was a very good wide receiver for the University of Washington, but he dropped a lot of balls, and everybody questioned whether he had sight problems, yeah. whether there was contact. Remember that? Yeah. He used to drop. He used to make a lot of great plays for Washington, but also dropped a lot of balls, and somehow ended up for the Seahawks. And somehow, by the way, in case you don't know who he is. Kind of made like two or three of the most important catches yeah. in Seahawks team history, right? He sure did. And the one that no one will call the best catch in Seahawks history or most important that would have been had they run the ball to Marshawn Lynch was the catch on the sideline in the Super Bowl off his leg, off yeah. his foot. Remember that one? It's funny how I don't even remember that one until you just brought it up. But you know now that yeah. you know what I'm talking about. Of course. I, mean, I blocked it, that whole Super Bowl out, of, I think. Okay. Think about what we think of that catch yeah. if they score a touchdown somehow there from the one yep. and they win their second consecutive Super Bowl. Think of that catch will go down. That uh, Probably the biggest one ever. Yep. Ever. Yeah. In and, the Seahawks history. And the year before, people forget that. When they were on the road, I want to say against the Panthers, yeah. in overtime, he, yeah. he caught the game-winning touchdown, I think, in overtime as well, yeah. on the road. And then, yeah. you know, if, if they don't win that game, their record, you know, the, the whole thing. So, yeah, he had some the big prob- The problem with my life is <laughs> yep, that one. I remember things that are just random that make an imprint that never go away. Yeah. And while he made all those great catches, what I will always remember Jermaine, Jermaine Curse for is the fact that I was at the Brown Bear wa- car wash one day, yeah. like late in his career with the Seahawks, or maybe just after his career, and I was I was in the vacuum, you know, where you pay for the vacuum? I'm familiar, yes. And I look over as I'm vacuuming, and some guy is in the backseat of his car, and, you know, he's wearing low jeans, the jeans that go down. I'm like, do I have to look at some guy's ass? I mean, <laughs> it's like he's got plumber's butt, you yeah, know, the gotcha. cracks hanging out. I'm like, come yeah, on. Yeah. I, I really want to tell the dude. And the dude stands up, and it's Jermaine Kurtz. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm looking at Jermaine Kurtz's ass. <laughs> That's what you remember the most So I, none of these catches really can <laughs> erase right. that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it was very cool that he was Jermaine Kurtz yeah. at Brown Bear Car Wash in the vacuum area, just with the vacuum, paying the dollar and thirty cents per thirty seconds. Yes, it's and down there, you know, <laughs> shoveling out his own whatever. car. That's yeah, so cool. Good for nice. him. Yes. Good for him. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Hot shot episode one seventy doesn't begin without a few words about our partners. Right, the Levy family loves Zeke's Pizza. We were at the Bellevue location this week. Max insisted again on half mushroom. The dude is ridiculous. Download the Zeke's Pizza app. And have pizza, beer, and salads at your door in no time. Homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler for the holidays. Reminder, all of their famous drink mixers like the old-fashioned are being sold all over the place for the holidays. Amazon, QFC, and here's the deal. For the month of December, Mitch Unfiltered listeners get 10% off on Amazon. Discount code Mitch. 10DB on Amazon for the Daniels Broiler Drink Mixers. A nice stocking stuffer. Fireside Home Solutions, title sponsor of Beat the Boys. Is there a better time than now to look into a new fireplace for the winter? We bought our last unit from John's crew outside on the patio. Start your search, firesidehomesolutions.com. The brand new Kirkland office at Cross Country Mortgage, one of the nation's Premier mortgage companies wanted a new team in Kirkland. And to whom did they turn? Jordan Flowers, of course. 425-890-2957. I'll say that again. 425-890-2957. If your 30-year fixed rate is in the mid threes or fours, you can save a lot of money every month by calling Jordan at that number. 
Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, and experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning taxes and investments under one roof. EvergreenGK.com, more than just a financial advisor. Evergreen is everything wealth. I'm ready. Episode 170, believe it or not, of Mitch Unfiltered begins right now. Unfiltered. Just the fact that he is able to play. We're, o- we're not even a year removed from the you know, almost losing his life, for God's sakes, and then almost losing his leg. And now he's going to be out there playing with his son in this father-son tournament. I think he made the announcement. Yeah, it's going to take I'm, place. I'm fired up for him and his family, and I'm just excited that he's well enough and he's healed enough to be able to do that. Unfiltered. Bobby Wagner came in in his first contract making peanuts. Yep. That's why the Seahawks were so healthy for, for years after years, because they had all all these young players, they were doing well and ident- identifying the young players, bringing them in here, and they were doing well in their first contracts. The reason why they sh- they're shit now, and it looks terrible to- for you, because in the last five years, they haven't done a good job. Mitch is unfiltered. The very boring episode 170 is now already <laughs> officially underway. Another yeah. Seahawks win, this time in Houston, 33-13. But go ahead. Do you have anything on your – you want to start or you want me to start on episode 170? Well, I mean, you know I was watching basketball a lot of the day. Yes, you were. So I didn't, you didn't see a lot of it. I didn't see every play, but I feel like I got a pretty good feel on it. You were watching seventh grade <laughs> yes. AAU basketball. Yes, I was. Whether I like it or not, I was there enjoying it. You like it. it? Yeah, it was cool. It's fun, I guess. It's just been how many, so many games. How for many? Her. How many? How many young games were you at this weekend? Uh, that was three and four, and then I have two more after we get done recording. So six, six. It's a combination of the uh, nice. ATL and the AAU and all that. But yeah, six. We games. all at some point when we have kids, especially kids that play sports, we all our lives just end. Yeah. There's really not a lot of time for you to do anything that you'd like to do, right, no, anymore? Sure And you isn't. only have one. Right. I think about who people have five <laughs> and six. I mean, you have two, but, like, one of our good friends has, oh, there's dear. eight. They have eight kids. Like, how do, how do parents do it? I'm over here complaining well, about Well, you'll one. be happy to know that while you were at seventh grade basketball, yes. your beloved Seattle Seahawks, who once boasted Jerome Kersey. <laughs> Rest in peace, by the way. Really? Yeah, I think he passed uh, away I think recently. He did. Yeah. yeah. I loved him as a player, by 33 13, I think, was the final. Sounds right. Um, they moved to five and eight on the year. Oh, yeah. I already got my Super Bowl hotel lined up. I'm going. I called Mr. Playoffs just before we started to record. Oh. Because he hasn't been around much lately. <laughs> yeah. And I said to Mr. Playoffs, do you stand by what you said about a nine and eight Seahawks? Just because I, they're not going nine and eight. I mean, they're not winning out. Everybody just calm down. They're not winning nine. Okay, re- not going Save that, Steve. Save that. Save, save that not, drop. Okay, they're not winning out. <laughs> okay, all okay. right. But Mr. Playoff st- says from the um, from the beats, the, from the white sands of, of Acapulco, and I don't know that Acapulco has white sand. I don't know either. He said nine and eight, they went out. They will be in the playoffs in the NFC. Either as the sixth or the seventh, probably the seventh seed, the seventh and final seed. Even with all of their tie-breaking issues, and they have a lot of them. Yeah, they don't they don't win a tiebreaker with very many teams. 
Although there is one team that's vying for that seventh spot called the San Francisco 49ers. Maybe the only team that the Seahawks would love to end that's in a right. team tie <laughs> with the San Francisco 49ers. After sweeping them, something tells me they own a tiebreaker or two. That Just with them, but as soon as like third and fourth and fifth teams jump yeah. in. But at nine and eight, they're going to be in according to Mr. Playoffs. All right. I didn't, I'm talking about Mr. Playoffs now. <laughs> Okay. So what are they now? Six. Uh, They're five and eight. Five and eight. Yeah. They got to win four more in a row, <sighs> which would include wins, road wins over both the Rams and the Cardinals. Okay. Is there a chance the Cardinals say that again. won't have anything to play for, though? No, because. They're not going to have the number one overall seed okay. and the bye wrapped up before their game. With Maybe, I guess, there's an outside shot, but very unlikely. Okay. Especially when you consider that the Packers went to the Cardinals and beat them early in the year. So any tie with the Packers and the Cardinals, oh. two-team tie, the Pack. I can't imagine that the Cardinals would have zero to play for when the Seahawks and Cardinals. But again. I tried. You got to go to the Rams and the Cardinals and win both those games. And then the two games here are Chicago, winnable, yep. Detroit, winnable. So imagine it comes down I don't to that final be the, game. During the holiday season, I don't want to be the, the naysayer, <laughs> yeah. the, the wet noodle here. Yeah. I don't think so. All right. Espe- you know, you go back to the Houston game from Sunday and it did not start. I know that you were at basketball, but it did not start out great. You had the Ken Norton famous Ben don't break defense giving up eight and ten yard passes underneath to Davis Mills and the world's worst NFL. Like playing, and I don't want to take too many shots at the defense. They did throw a shutout in the second half again for the second consecutive week, so good for the defense. But I will say this. Giving up underneath soft plays to the 32nd ranked offense yeah. Playing as if you're scared to get beaten deep. So we'll give you the we're just going to give. they played the Houston Texans in the first few drives defensively. The Seahawks like they were playing. I don't know. What's the greatest offense like the uh, Jerry Rice and yes, like they were playing Joe, the Montana. Joe Montana and John Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Jerry. They were like, we're, 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 we're going to stay yeah. deep here. Keep well, in front of us. We got to keep everybody. Yeah. It's Davis Mills and the Houston frickin' Texans. Yeah. Anyway. I saw the, the first drive, the Texans yeah. drove all the way down and scored for it. Isn't that the first drive? That- right down the field. Right. Right down the field. Uh, Russell Wilson, some pretty good statistical days on Sunday. Russell Wilson went 17-28 to 28 for 260, two touchdowns. He continues to get closer, I think. I still don't think he's right there. Yeah. But he's closer to the old Russell Wilson in the last two weeks. The story offensively of the day is... You just knew it would happen. Rashad Penny, ladies and gentlemen, has made an appearance, an official appearance. I watched that first quarter for most of it, and he got some really good blocking from that offensive line. He also did some good things. Like on that touchdown, he had a good stiff arm of the guy on the touchdown. 16 carries, 137. And two touchdowns for Rashad Penny. Bring him back. Let's do it again. Oh, Let's give him another five years. He's in the last Seattle. year of his deal, right? Yeah, yeah. They didn't pick up the option here. <laughs> of course, he's a he's free agent play well. at the end of the year. He's going off. Well, but, he went off against the Houston Texans in one game. Yes, and he got. But he, I got, he got some real. That offensive line should be. They should get some kudos because he really got. So I mean, there were some times that there was just yeah. nobody around him, and yeah. any running back he did worth well. there. He did well. He yeah. had a good game. He had a good game. Yes, he had a good game. He's still Rashad Penny. He's still a waste of a first-round pick. He's still a guy that I can't move away fast enough from, but he had a good game.
And I hate to be that way during the holiday yeah, season. exactly. But it is unfiltered. Let's not overreact <laughs> to his big game against the Texans. Now, a wide receiver's name that you will forget, unlike Jermaine Curse. Yeah. Tyler Lockett, five catches, 142. You've never been a Tyler Lockett fan. Five catches, 142, and a touchdown. Yeah. And he's up for Walter Payton Man of the Year Award in the NFL. But you don't like him. You oh. don't like You're like the only guy that doesn't like Tyler Lockett. Disappears. He disappears sometimes. Every receiver disappears. Oh, he does. Okay. Well, then now I like him, if that's what you're telling me. Name a receiver that you, that you love. And don't give me Jerry Rice. Give me, give, me a na- <laughs> give me a name of a receiver in the NFL that you like. Steve Largent. No, no, like now. Like oh. playing when Tyler Lockett plays. Give me name, a name. DK Metcalf. Does he not disappear? Yeah, he probably does. Probably does. Yeah. We spend like shows talking about how can they not get <sighs> DK Metcalf involved. It just He went the whole first half on Sunday, I don't think, with maybe one catch one target yeah it seems like that tyler will take like five or six games off not take them off but he won't do anything for like a big chunk of the and then, and then he comes out and does this like but when he when he does finally start getting into it he does this which is incredible but to say i don't like him is stupid i, I don't like him i don't know you tell I, i'm, not I'm gonna, just saying he disappears too much for my like okay but i'm telling you that all wide receivers do. okay even the greats go look at julio jones when he was in his prime all right go look at any of the, of the great Wide receiver, most of the wide receivers in their prime, they go two, three games, and then they have six, seven, eight catches. That's just the way it, it is. He did know. look awesome on Sunday. Can't deny it. Other guys that looked awesome, Al Woods on defense, I thought was great. I'm taking him in our in our Joe and Brady segment as my player, my Taco Time player doing work if they let me take him. Bobby Wagner at 15 tackles. Daryl Taylor showed up again. It's been a few games since Daryl Taylor's yeah. name was mentioned. He had some good pressure. He had one sack that was negated by a holding penalty. He had another sack that went went good. He had another one where he rushed the guy out of the pocket. He was pretty active. The young Daryl Taylor. So you were pretty gonna, good. You, pretty good. You were having a Daryl Taylor watch this season. How's that going? It's good. I think it's better than I it is. would have expected. Okay, good. Yeah, I think he's good. All right. Who was the one that was loving him? Was it Brady or Joe? Everybody loved him. Okay. Last year when he didn't play, yeah. everybody was like, oh my God, when they get Daryl Taylor back, when yeah, he, yeah. he's something special. And he has been at times enjoyable to watch and, and a factor, a lot more than some of the other guys, a lot more than Carlos Dunlap or some of those guys. Yeah. But um, I should mention before we finish the Seahawks segment, a couple of more items. Uh, last week on episode 169, you'll recall I went on a rant. I also did it on social media that the Seahawks and Pete Carroll have got to be the biggest wasters of timeouts in the history of the National Football League. Nobody uses timeouts for unorganized offense that can't get the snap off and defense so that they don't have any at the end of halves and in, in games. Yeah. Like Pete Carroll. Remember that that rant? Uh, yes, I do. Three more on Sunday. Well, it's funny. I'm looking at three. My I was sitting in my car watching yes. the game and I, I wrote this line down. Yeah. Timeout before the game clock expired. And I thought that'd be the only one I'd have to put down just to remind three myself. Times. <laughs> three times. Three times. Three times <laughs> against the Texans on Sundays. And you love the, the cutaway of Pete Carroll when he has to do it. It's like his face is like he's like got his hands up like, ah, yeah, like yeah. what's going on? What happened? Right. Three more uh, times they had to take timeouts because they were not ready. They didn't have their shit together yeah. to get to the line of scrimmage and call the play and snap the ball. I do want to mention that. I also want to mention Jason Myers. He uh, deserves a mention in this episode 170 during the holidays. I was in the parking lot at Safeway near your house. Yes. And I heard that he missed it. And I was like, I, 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 I don't want to go over to his house. The he, fact that you were at the Safeway <laughs> near my house yeah, to fine. begin with is a problem. Fine dining. <laughs> it's a problem. Yes. 
But um, when I heard that, I was like, yeah. Mitch is, I, I felt like a kid in trouble. Do I sugarcoat this because it's the holiday season or did I just say what I think, well, which you ha- is... You haven't sugarcoated it. The since. guy stinks. Okay. Is that a little harsh? Stinks? No, he stinks. Okay. He's not reliable. He misses more extra points. Even during that stretch where he had made 15 or 18 field goals in a row, most of them were like 35 yards. But he was missing extra points during that streak too. The guy... If I have to see him next year as the kicker for the Seattle Seahawks, yeah. there's going to be a problem. <laughs> okay, I am good. going to go over there. Please, can we just end the Jason Myers era? He's terrible. He's not reliable. He's terrible. Okay, I'm done with that. Terrible. He's terrible. Right. Here's another thing that's terrible. That I've been, I think I've been talking about this going back to the radio days. All right. Can we ju- the NFL has how many billions of dollars from TV revenue? Yeah. They've got plenty of money to spend, right? Couple, Everybody's yeah. making money. What is the commissioner making? 40 million a year? Mm-hmm. Something like that? Something like okay. that, yeah. Can we not just go into every NFL stadium and place down the goal line cameras four down the line goal line cameras one on each side of both goal lines and have them in the stadium all the times so that we never have to have a replay of a touchdown or no touchdown where we don't have an on down the line look at it down the line you mean down the goal line down the goal line i thought they had the pylon cam thing they don't have that anymore they i I don't know that it's down the line or it works but it's too low you need something a little bit raised because there's players gonna gonna, gonna get get in the way gotcha right gerald everett's touchdown We don't have really this multi-billion dollar yeah. thing that is the NFL. We can't get a down the line look on a replay to see if Gerald ever crossed the goal line. It's got to be four yards into the end zone or four yards on the other yeah, side. It's like the other Can side we not? Is- it's, it, I'll pay for it. <laughs> right. send, send Mitch unfiltered a bill. Right. Call him the Mitch unfiltered down the goal line. We just need to always have a down the goal. You need that. You can't make an educated opinion. Well, you can make an educated guess, but you can't make a definitive opinion whether a ball crossed the plane of the goal line unless you have a directly down the line camera. Yeah, the, okay, they've got billions for everything else. Yeah. The goal line does seem important. You'd want to maybe put a camera on that part please, of the field. It, <laughs> please. But you're talking about a league that can't get penalties correct on the field. I mean, they, there's plenty. That's they, one thing. But there's plenty they can't get done with all that money on the field. They, I, it's it's mind-boggling and head-scratching. I don't understand it. And by the way, good for Gerald Everett oh, for yeah. bouncing back. He yeah. had the world's worst game last week, and people were acting, people like they weren't even paying attention, like cut him, they got to cut him tomorrow. The guy was the best Seahawks offensive player for the previous six weeks in, in that downward turn of yeah. the offense. He comes back on Sunday, has a couple catches. Now, if you don't think that the previous week's game was in his head with the way he was holding the ball. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, he was Two like, arms at all He was times. cradling it like it was like a two-year-old. <laughs> it was like a, an infant child. Yes. Like, there's no way. And and I'll just say good for him, but I'll also say he doesn't need to do that. I don't want him to, as a member, as a fan of the Seahawks. I don't want Everett holding the ball like that because it impacts and negatively impacts his explosiveness, his stiff arm, his speed. Yep. I mean, he's... He's a, uh, a a terrific athletic tight end, right. and he and he diminishes his athleticism by being so careful. You can be too careful with the ball, and I thought he was on Sunday, but good for him. He had a two or three catches, had a touchdown, and 
I'm, I'm glad for Gerald Everett. You can't run as fast cradling it with two no. arms as you can with one hand. No. And there, there's ways to protect the ball with one arm. I mean, he could be coached up it on that. A, he, he should trust himself. Well, it's hard after last week. Yeah. yeah. But after this game, maybe trust yourself. Hey, by, by the way, he had one bad game. I mean, in how many? It's not like he had a, a season no. long. No. He, right. So come on, man. One bad. And he was great. Yeah, he was great. He was great in the previous four yeah. or five weeks. He was great with Gino. Gino used him all loved the time. Him. Gino yeah. loved him. Yeah. And while we're talking about him holding the the ball like holding an infant baby, Max brought it up and I couldn't agree with him more. Max and I were sitting watching football and he goes, "Can we can we now do do away with the commercial with the baby on the field in the stroller?" Oh yeah, the football play yeah, with yeah. a line he runs up with the stroller. Yeah. Can, can, has anybody seen enough of that commercial? Yeah. Uh, okay, we got it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't even know whose who's oh, commercial God. that is. Can they come up with a new one? I know. I feel Please. that way about a lot of commercials, though. Like, I know. Enough oh, already. Enough. We get it. We get it. Yes. It's a terrible commercial to begin yeah, with. I know. The fake with the baby. The guy goes in motion with the yeah. – you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, of course. About the they have, like, yeah. an orange uniform yeah, on. Yeah, and then the 76 is running with the ball, <laughs> and he's dancing as he goes through the uh, – okay, enough. Yes. Please. Yeah. All right, that's it. Can I ask you about a sure. call that, that happened that I didn't really see, but I heard – Sure. You, roughing the center? Yeah, we had a roughing the center penalty. How many times does that get called in a season, if you had to guess? Less than 400? Well, that's changed over the years since you played. Yeah. The true story. They've, they've tinkered with that rule because they feel like that the long snapper, especially in a field goal situation, they're, even in a punter, They're vulnerable. They're very vulnerable. Yeah. So they try to protect that guy. Okay. And Al Woods, who had otherwise an unbelievable game, he made a little contact with like the right shoulder of the center. But as the announcer pointed out, Daryl Johnston, the center kind of moved towards Woods. The reason that that contact happened, oh, I guess it was Pereira. The reason why that contact happened was because the center kind of initiated the contact mm. more than Al. Al Woods was going off to his side, was going off to the right side of the center, not going to touch the center. And then the center, after snapping the ball, kind of moved to his right, and there was contact there. It was kind of a horseshit call. That's what I was yeah, wondering, yeah. yeah. Roughing the center. Ruff, roughing the center. You don't hear that very often. No, you, you never hear it. Roughing right. the center. But of course, the Seahawks managed to somehow 15 get it. 15-yard penalty, Yeah. first down, and I think Houston probably went in and scored. How do you yeah. like that old uh, Johnston, Daryl Johnston? On the... I went to school with him. You got to talk about Syracuse. That's right. Yeah, I yeah. think we're the same year. He might be one year older than me, but I was with him when he was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. You were with him? I was with him. We did a radio show, a, a college radio show from a bar okay. called 44s uh, near Marshall Street in Syracuse. And uh, he was a, a football player and a and a guy who had broadcasting on his mind. Oh, he did. And so we set up we set up that when he was drafted, like in the third round by the Cowboys, when he was drafted, we didn't know he was going to be drafted by. He'd come down. So he came down to the bar, got drafted. He had a Dallas Cowboy towel over him, blanket over okay. him, and we did. Yeah, we hung out a little bit at Forty Fours. Yeah, I was going to say he's insanely boring, but I, now I know he's your friend. No, he's not my friend at all. Oh, he's not. Okay. You can say whatever you like. Boy, is he a stiff. He is so boring. <laughs> you imagine having to go sit at dinner with that guy? Uh, oh, does he have any personality at all? I'm surprised he wanted to get into broadcasting. I mean, Frank, well, Frank probably loves him. Syracuse guys wanted to get yeah, into broadcasting. If, yeah, I guess. Yeah. By proxy, you're yeah. going to be a broadcaster. Yeah, I think so. Oh, boy. And I, I like Chris Myers a lot. I you know do. Some, some people don't. Yeah. How do you feel about Chris Myers? He's better than the other Myers. <laughs> Jason Myers? Yeah. <laughs> I like him a lot more than the other Myers. <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah. But, yeah, um, yeah. I don't. Know. He, I just think he's bad, Gerald Johnston. I mean, I, th I think he's got good things to say. He's just got no. He's just 
boring. His he's got no personality. Yeah, yeah. And he wanted to get into broadcasting? I don't know. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. Well, he's doing it, so yeah. apparently he wanted to get into broadcasting. All these guys do it after their playing days. Yeah. It's I mean, pretty good money. Oh, yeah, sure. He's probably making a, a, a good chunk of change week to week, going to football games and calling them. Do we need a fullback's insight? You were kind of a fullback. Yeah, I know, but I'm not trying, <laughs> saying I should be doing color commentary for the NFL. He's a fullback. <laughs> He's a former fullback who knows Jermaine Curse's name. Oh, he does. Yes. That's why he got it. Yes, okay, he now I see. Yeah. I think about it. I think I prefer Jerome Kersey over Jermaine Curse. <laughs> if we're really going to get into it, I like the old trailblazer That's not going to go away. No, that's going to leave a mark. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's do three interviews. One very important one with Ivan Mazel, and then the other stuff segment. Jay Flo is in the house. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, how are we doing at Cross Country Mortgage? What are we, about six months in now? We are pretty much six months in. We're doing wonderful. Thank you, Mitch. And I appreciate the Mannheim steamroller <laughs> intro. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> oh, it's been a wonderful season, wonderful year. Just blessings and wrapping things up here. What's going on in the mortgage industry in terms of the holiday season? Do things typically slow down this month? You know, uh, typically they do. Historically, the winter months, Christmas time, Thanksgiving, and January are the quieter months as everybody kind of prepares for the buying season. Things are still incredibly busy with people trying to squeeze in with last minute refis and take advantage of still trying to get in the high 2% range with wherever their rates were at or shortening the term. So we're still staying busy and active and people are getting pre-approved and still trying to get ready to buy for homes that come on here. So hit me with some numbers on a 30-year fix, Jordan. Yeah, if you look around, they're going to be in the low threes. We're doing everything we can here at my branch and cross country to help our clients out and figure out a way to get them still in the high twos without passing on any right. charge for it, any discount points for it or anything. So we're still trying to help people take advantage and capture that two rate before they go away. So assuming I've got good credit, a good credit score, what should I be looking for in my mortgage and my current rate that would tell me, hey, get on the phone with Jordan or somebody like Jordan just to explore what's out there for me? Yeah, I'd say if you're anywhere in the mid threes right okay. now on a 30 year fixed, um, it's worth a call, especially to take advantage of the rates. If you're seven years in, five to 10 years in on a 30 year and you're thinking about going maybe to a 15 or a 20, could be a good time. We're still kind of in the mid twos on a 15 year fixed. Um, so definitely something to take a look at there. Yeah, anywhere in the mid threes, I would say. Beautiful. And we remind our listeners that you don't have to start all over. You can keep the mortgage right where you are in its term, right? You are such a good listener, Mitch. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Any 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 amortization period of months between 20 years and 30 years, we can set it at. And we can look at 15-year options and, and lower even. But yes, we can set it to any term. And you can take some money out for the holiday season. You can take money out for the holiday season, prepare for college or yeah. Yeah. school for your kids. Yeah, consolidate any debts you might want to have at a low 30-year fixed rate still. It's a great time to do that. Phone number? How do we reach you, Jordan? Cell phone, 425-890-2957. And email is teamflowers at myccmortgage.com or jordan period flowers at myccmortgage.com. Jordan Flowers has been exceptional. They've been a great partner since just about the beginning. We love Jordan Flowers. We love Cross Country Mortgage. Unfiltered. Can he run for it? Noah in the corner of the end zone. That's a touchdown, Texans. Rookie Brevin Jordan. Wilson airing it out deep for a locket. Lockett has it. And that's a Seahawks touchdown. 
Penny again showing tough yards and a burst of speed. Rashad Penny with his second touchdown of the day. Really nice day today. Took us a while to get going. They had a nice opening drive, really good drive, and then our guys settled in and, and did a really good job on, on the defensive side of the ball. Again, the whole guys to 60 yards and 70 last week, and that, that's that's really consistent play. Seahawks 33, Texans 13. The Seahawks no table time. Taco time Northwest. TacoTimeNW.com slash careers. If you're looking to do some work like the Seahawks were doing in Houston over the weekend, up to $5,000 signing bonuses, by the way, for certain positions at Taco Time. Brady Henderson, ESPN.com from Houston. And Joey Notable, Joey Fan, win bet in Vegas. The two men that are duking it out for second place in the race for the KP on the Seahawks no table. Maybe we shouldn't discuss that. Joey, we're going to start with you. 33-13. Seahawks didn't look very good in the first half, as far as I was concerned anyway, but they blew the doors open on Houston in the second half. Why did the uh, Seahawks win the football game on Sunday? Yeah, they closed impressively, uh, albeit maybe a little later than we would have liked to see, just in terms of uh, the comfortability of that second half, letting Houston hang around for far too long in a one-score game. But back-to-back touchdown drives, slamming the door shut to where there was nothing left to, uh, to doubt in the final few minutes of the game was impressive. Uh, Rashad Penny had a tremendous game. Russell Wilson looked more like himself in terms of the efficiency. We saw the explosives. Tyler Lockett, uh, a marvelous game for him. So it was a balanced offensive attack, a defense that did just enough. Uh, You saw a defensive line play pretty well. I know you want to talk about your guy, Al Woods, here soon. Um, My guy. But also Daryl Taylor getting a sack. Bobby Wagner, 15 tackles. It was just, it was a complete team win, uh, albeit maybe, you know, except for the special teams. Um, but at least offensively and defensively against, a, you know, arguably the worst team in football. And you took they took care of business. Brady? Yeah, I mean, this was a two-win team. So this was not a game where I don't think this is not a win where you can really glean a whole lot from. I mean, I think that this would have been a much bigger deal, obviously, if they had lost the game. Then we'd be talking about rock bottom and what's going to happen and doom and gloom. I don't think you can really take a whole lot from this game, but there are plenty of things to like. And Joe just rattled them off. Um I think, you know, a, a, an underrated one is that Russell Wilson continues to look more like Russell Wilson. And, um, you know, he was not perfect in this game, but this was more of the usual Russell Wilson in terms of the decision making. I thought he did a nice job of taking what was there and not forcing some of those deep shots. Um, he didn't get sacked for the first time this season. Um, and he made the point afterwards that Seattle's offensive line dominated the line of scrimmage in the run game and the pass game. So a lot to like. Um and, you know, the fact is they were playing a two-win team. So this is – I don't I don't know if you could say that you could expect a 4-8 and eight Seahawks team to really do anything uh, to, to, you know, take it to them like they did. But you expect them to win this game as eight-and-a-half-point favorites. And um, they eventually did, even though at times it was a little too close for comfort. Yeah. Joe, you know, it's pretty obvious for the Seahawks to have any shot at the playoffs. I don't know that we should be talking playoffs. they got to win out. And it's hard to get excited about that potential – after the the wins the last two weeks, even though one was against the 49ers, this one against Houston. But would you agree if somehow, some way, they go to Los Angeles next week and come away with a victory over the Rams, now you can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel? Maybe there is reason for Seahawks fans to wonder, hmm, Chicago, Detroit at home, and yes, a tough game against the Cardinals at the end of the year. Do we, do we reserve our excitement as Seahawks fans until after we see what happens next week. 
Yes, absolutely. I also have to do some research this week and figure out just how much of uh, control they have over their own destiny should they win out. How much help do they need, even in that scenario? Yes, I don't think you can go. If it's been doom and gloom, which it has been largely this season, you kind of felt like there was a silver lining win um, against the, the Niners to sweep them two nothing in the, the series of the of the season. Yeah, you're not going to the opposite side and saying, "My goodness, this team's back and they're going wherever." Um, it's a terrible Houston Texans team, and yeah, I, I think beating the Rams would would have warranted reason for optimism given how badly the, the Rams have had the Seahawks number. Mm-hmm. And the Rams have kind of, you know, it's, it's, it sounds far-fetched just because the Rams are a much better team and it's down in, it's down in LA where the Seahawks have had a hard time winning. But I mean, the Rams have kind of had their issues of late. And uh, I mean, you know, well, I guess we'll see, I guess the better point to make is we'll see how real these last two weeks have been for the Seahawks because it's a better opponent, but it's also, that's a game that it would not be crazy to think that they could win. It seems like they're catching the Rams at, at what, you know, a decent time. Yeah, off a short work week. Hey, uh, Brady, the star, uh, there, uh, Joe talked about a number of different terrific individual performances in the win over Houston. I suppose we should give some limelight, some, some marquee to Rashad Penny. 16 carries, 137 yards, the two touchdowns, a couple of long runs. All this happening, Brady, with the clock winding down on his Seahawks career, maybe even his NFL career. Did he create a little market for himself at the end of the season with this showcase effort? I think so, yeah. And and hopefully people in the NFL were actually watching this game, which um, I don't think they were live, but they'll yeah. have access to it to right. see it for the first time, I'm sure. And Look, I mean, this is, we all know this, I'm not breaking any news here, but his career has been just one injury after another. There have been just the occasional glimpses of what the Seahawks saw in him to take him 27th overall uh, over Nick Chubb in 2018. It, It was and still is one of the more regrettable personnel decisions they've made. But this was the biggest glimpse of why they did that. And, you know, he's had some flashes here and there. I think going back to 2019, um, you know, he was starting to kind of come on as a nice complimentary option to Chris Carson before he tore his ACL. But nothing like what we saw in this game. I mean, 137 yards on, I think, 16 carries, the two long touchdown runs. On that first one, showed pretty good power with the stiff arm and then the speed uh, to break away to the end zone. And so... um, it was a very impressive game. I also would encourage people to, if you can find the full video, uh, either on Seahawks, on their website or on their YouTube channel, go watch the video of Penny and you'll kind of get to see, I think, the emotional toll that the injuries have taken on him. There's obviously a physical toll, uh, but it's pretty clear that those injuries have been hard on him. And it's not just not being there for his team and not living up to the expectations of being a first round pick. But he talked about, you know, having to basically at the end of his second season, kind of tune out social media just because that was not helping him. And I just, I was watching him just sort of talk nervously and you could, you could kind of sense the emotion in his voice and and you could just kind of tell how much I think these last four seasons have taken a toll on him. And, and, It does not surprise me just because we're all on Twitter and we know how nasty of a place it can be. But it's pretty clear that hearing as much gruff as he has uh, on Twitter, 
it was clear that that contributed to a lot of that. So I would encourage people to go watch it. It was a very, I would say, like humanizing um, press conference just because mm -hmm. y you got to see what these last four seasons have been like for him. Joe, you focused on some of the individual efforts on defense. Uh, what caught your eye on offense besides Rashad Penny? I would say to you, I mean, you and I both agree that Gerald Everett can be a really good football player. And you talk about taking its toll, the, the words that Brady Henderson just used with regard to Rashad Penny. You could, watch, you could watch Gerald Everett, right, put two hands over the ball on a number of different occasions and understand the toll that last week took on him. It's nice to see him catch some balls, make some plays, get into the end zone for a touchdown. How about you with either Everett or somebody else? offensively yeah he only had two catches but you're right in the getting into the end zone after what transpired last week um against the Niners in Seattle was certainly a feel-good moment Tyler Lockett obviously deserves plenty of love going over a thousand yards for a third time um you know you saw the, the the return of the moon ball from Russell Wilson hasn't seen a whole lot of that so far this season and again another indication that the, the finger is getting back healthy and how about the offensive line again you're not going up against much of a, of a defensive line Right in pass rush with Houston, um, but I do think that it's notable anytime Russell Wilson can go a game without being sacked, and so I think they deserve their flowers as well, even without Brandon Shell. Okay, time for uh, oh no! Before we get to uh, who was doing work and Taco Time player of the game, let me ask a Brady because there were some some significant injuries. Some guys really looked serious. One very late in the game. I don't know how DJ Reed is. What can you tell us about? the health of the Seahawks as they get ready for a week leading into the Rams game, Brady. Yeah, the Gavin Heslop injury was just gruesome and uh, really unfortunate happening, I think, in the last minute of the game when he was uh, replacing Quandre Diggs at free safety. It, there was no sort of word on what the injury is. I mean, we can all look and see how bad it was and see his leg get, um, you know, take a shot straight to the knee and he gets hyperextended. Um, I'm not going to speculate on what I think it is, but we can all assume I think based on what it looked like that it's going to keep him out for a while um, he is from what I understand spending Sunday night in Houston at a hospital and uh, typically I mean when it's an injury like that and you spend the night in a hospital uh, surgery typically happens Pete Carroll said surgery was likely but he stopped short of saying that it would happen but um, that is probably what's happening as we speak um, and then the other injury, another injury was Brian Monet. Uh, he sprained his knee, according to Pete Carroll. Uh, that was the other knee than the one that had been giving him trouble. And Carroll sort of stopped himself from saying any more. So that uh, makes me wonder if that's more than a knee sprain. And then uh, DJ Reed, I think he just collided with a teammate and got hit in the chest. And okay. I think Carroll called it a, a contusion, but didn't really say how serious it is. Joey Fan, you go first. Taco Times player of the game. Who was doing some work? Joey Vegas. Yeah, I'll give love to Rashad Penny. Uh, I think we've all been hard on him. And you, you talk about creating a market for himself. I think there might be some of that. He would have gotten a job somewhere in the league this offseason. Even with this game, it's just nothing's going to be much in terms of multi-years, big deals, lots of guarantees. The, the injury history is just too immense for any team to really invest in him. But it, it might be different. Um, then, hey, you're going to come and fight for a roster spot. And it might be, hey, we think you can be a, a, a part of our rotation, um, you know, in a running back by committee or whatever. Okay. Um, so I think it's good for him. I, hear, I heard the press conference that Brady referenced. Um, undoubtedly uh, has been a stressful and, and trying couple of years for him. I remember 
a couple years ago in 2019, we were in Philly and he had the big game and he was saying how he just sort of learned how to eat right and be a pro and get his body right. And he felt like he had an extra gear that he didn't have early in his career. Um, and so that was kind of the storyline. Then he gets hurt and the injuries continue to be more of a thing. So some of these, uh, it has been, it's been self-inflicted with him. Some of it just really, really bad luck. Um, but all things considered, today is a day that, that Rashad Petty and his family and this team should feel good about. You mean on Sunday? Sunday was a day. Hey, listen, what was uh, Rashad Penny doing, Joey? What was he doing? Rashad Penny was doing work. He was doing some work, Brady. Who do you got? Well, but before I give you my pick, I'll let the listeners in on um, what happened during the game. So Mitch Levy, this is this typically does not happen. This is not very sporting of Mitch. But <laughs> on Twitter, he tags Joe and I and says basically that he gets dibs on Al Woods as the taco time player of the game, as if he's like, you're about to go on a road trip and you call shotgun or something. And, you know, this was before Rashad Penny went off. It was before Tyler Lockett went off. So I would say that that is what Mitch gets uh, for jumping the gun. He gets the third, he gets the third best player. The guy who was doing the, the third most amount of work. Baloney. Uh, Baloney. Yeah, I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick Tyler Lockett as the guy, as my guy who was doing work. Uh, five catches, I think 142 yards. Just some brilliant uh, catches on the sideline, uh, which is just something that he does best. You know, he makes those sideline catches look routine. He also makes, um, you know, getting open deep down the field on play action plays and hauling in those moon balls from Russell Wilson. He makes that look routine as well. And he did both of those things. Uh, he also became the second player in Seahawks history to top 1,000 yards receiving in three straight seasons. The only other player who's done that is Steve Largent, who did it twice. He actually did it four straight seasons twice, which, as an aside, that puts his career in perspective. But uh, anyways, Tyler Lockett was doing work in this okay. game. If you think that I'm going to feel bad somehow because I, because I stuck my flag to Al Woods early in the game, I, I, no. Uh, au contraire, mon frere, I still think <laughs> I still think that Al Woods is the taco time player of the game over Penny, over Lockett. Those guys were nothing compared to the big fella. In fact, the big fella did something that very rarely gets done. He roughed the center. Not a yeah. lot of guys are roughing centers these days. That's how good of a game he had. Al Woods was doing some work, and he was the taco time player of the of the game that's it now by the way al woods it, it always amazes me when guys who are like around my age are still playing in the nfl he's doing he took a year off last year remember he took the COVID opt-out and i guess i suppose that could have helped him as much as it may have made him rusty but he, he's 34 i'm 35 and he's still playing at a, at a pretty high level so good for him what is he really? I'm gonna have a hard time getting out of my hotel room bed uh, on Monday morning. What are you? What, he's still doing work. Brady, that's right. He's doing some work. Still doing some work at that ripe old age. As is. Uh, so, what do you think, Joey? Do you think you can outlast Brady for second place in the KP, or how you feeling about that? You feel like you got a shot? What's the score? Oh, it's over. It's over. What is it, five and a half to three and a half to three or something? Five. I don't remember. No, you're the one who gives us the score. It's five and a half. I know. Three and it a was. Half it was. Two. You had five and a half. You three had three and a half. And a half. Yeah. I had two and a half. Brady had two. I think it's five and a half, three and a half to two. 
Five and a half, okay. three and a half to two as we get ready for the Rams game next week. Maybe I can get you guys back in the ball game. We'll throw some extra opportunities, you know, some over-unders. Because I know Brady, if you, if you, anybody who follows Joe knows the kind of props guy he is, whether it's the NBA or the NFL or hockey or, or, or comedy I'll lose those shows. two, so this will be great. <laughs> Or comedy shows, you name it. Joey Vegas does it. I'm telling you that right oh, now. Oh, man, that comedy show I went to on Thursday was... Fantastic. A1. All right, there he is, Joey Fan in Vegas. Thank you, Joey. Appreciate you guys. And there's Brady Henderson, who remains in Houston, at least at the time of this recording. Thank you, Brady. Thank you. See you guys. It's time to catch up with Katie Versio, senior financial planner, Evergreen Golf Call. Just in time to probably make me look silly for the holidays. Hi, Katie. Hi, Mitch. Thanks for having me. Here we go. I'm ready for my holiday version of the trivia contest. We're going to get three questions, and I'm going to go three for three. What's the theme this time around? The theme today is a year-end market recap. So we're going to talk about what happened in the market from January through the end of November. Got it. All right. I'm ready for question number one. All right, so what was the biggest market pullback, so from when the market peaked to trough, that we had in 2021? Was it down 2%, 5%, 10%, or 14%? Hmm. I'll say either 5 or 10. I'll go 10%, Katie. Sorry, it was only down 5% back in September. There was just a small pullback. So this year, there hasn't been too much volatility. In December, we've actually seen about the same level of volatility just in the first few trading days. But the first 11 months were pretty smooth. Okay. I'm 0 for 1, which brings us to question number two. How much was the stock market or the S&P 500 up for the entire year? So from January through the end of November. Was it up 10%, Big. Big. Yeah. 17%, yeah. 22%, or 29%? Gosh, I don't think it was up 29%, but it was up big. I'll, I'll go I'll go 17 as opposed to 22. It was actually up 22% through the first 11 months of the year. It's down a little bit now. Like I mentioned, we've had a little more volatility, but it's, but it's been a good year. Uh. Which brings us to question number three and my last chance to at least go one for three and bat 333, which is good in baseball, but not good for Evergreen Golf Call Trivia. Go ahead, Katie. All right. How much has the price of oil increased from January through November? Oh, no. Is it up 20%, 32%, 37%, or 41%? I, have, I don't watch oil. I have no idea. It's got to be one of the middle two because it always is. So I'll go 30. What were the middle two? 32 and 30, 37? I'll that's go, right. I'll go 37. Well, I tricked you with that one. Oh, uh, no. It's actually up 41%. So the price of oil uh, of a barrel has gone from $48 at the end of 2020 to $68 at the end of November. <sighs> Another 0 for 3. Another collar, as they like to call it. For Mitchie the Kid on Evergreen Golf Call Trivia. But that doesn't mean I don't love Katie and I don't love our partnership with Evergreen Golf Call. We do. They've been there since the beginning. Evergreen Golf Call is everything wealth. Unfiltered.
the winner of the 2021 Heisman Memorial Trophy is Bryce Young. I'd like to thank my teammates, uh, my O-line for protecting me, allowing me to win an award like this. Um, my receivers, running backs, um, defense for giving, giving me the ball back, everyone uh, on the team for, uh, you know, whenever you can win an award like this, it goes as an individual award, but it's a team award. Hey, a trick new Heisel time, presented by Taco Time, NW, Taco Time, NW.com slash careers on this episode 170. We didn't have a lot of college football over the weekend. Navy beat Army in an upset, by the way. Uh, But we have just a ton of news. Rick, we've got Oregon losing their coach to the U. We've got the Ducks with a new head coach. We've got Oklahoma with a new head coach. We've got Dabo losing both of his coordinators. Bryce Young wins the Heisman, and he's going to return next year. 43 bowl games. Players opting out all over the place. Coach Khaki Pants says his defensive end will be the top pick in the NFL draft. There's so much to talk about. Where would you like to start, my friend? You, t- uh, you tell me. It, is, it, it, is, <laughs> it has been a wild week. What I think is the biggest news yeah. uh, for the college football game is that the College Football Oversight Committee has said we got to get rid of this early signing date. Oh, we've got to get rid because it is causing this this you know avalanche of news in the coaching world because everybody's trying to get their new fish on the line before the signing date, and it, it's taking away from the action on the field. And I think that calmer heads are now prevailing, and we're going to get rid of this December signing date. I would move it to August, but I think I'm hearing them say January, which would make no sense because now you'd have a January signing date and a February signing date, which why would you need two? It doesn't make any sense. So I think we're going to get there, but uh, that will slow down this nonsense of stuff happening while we're getting ready to play the most important games. I mean, if you're trying to draw a parallel, can you imagine Super Bowl teams losing their staff before the Super Bowl. It makes no sense. The NFL has the good sense to, you know, make rules about this. Mm-hmm. You might be able to interview, but you can't make any hirings uh, until there's a window of time for that. And I think December has to be preserved for you to talk to the players on your team who now can go into a transfer portal that wasn't there before. And I think that's the biggest news for me. I know it's always fun to see who's coming and who's going. But we need to make sure that we protect the game on the field and uh, do the best. The other thing that I would say is coming, as you mentioned, the opt-outs. We are getting ready perilously close to the end of bowl games as we know them. Bowl games as we know them are going to become the opening games of the season. We're going to have a college football playoff and perhaps maybe a game or two other than that. But I think that uh, we're going to end up with a postseason that's games that are meaningful and a opening portion of the season that's going to have all these bowl games with matchups that are going to be intriguing to all of us in a time when no one's going to opt out of them. I don't understand. Are you saying that there's truly going to be bowl games before the season 
Before the regular season I, starts? I do. I think that we're going to have, instead of the opening weekend of the season, and we're all excited about, uh, you know, you know Miami playing uh, Alabama as opened the season this year in the, in the Chick-fil-A, you know, yes, yes. Uh, opening season. I think that's going to be a peach bowl. I, I, I really do, because I think these bowl games are losing their their appeal when we have a Fiesta Bowl featuring Notre Dame and Oklahoma State, and the two best players on Notre Dame aren't going to play. That just doesn't make sense. you got to have the best players wanting to play. Maybe name, image, and likeness becomes a way to get them to play and you start paying them to play. Mm -hmm. But I I just think it would be much wiser just to open the season with them and make the Fiesta Bowl eventually a playoff game. Are we going to, when you say start the season, are we going to reward the teams from the previous year? Are we determining the combatants the previous year? Or are we just picking picking teams to start the season to go to a bowl game? Well, I think it would, should be based on the previous year. And I know that's, you know, a little bit uh, willy-nilly, but it's better than just picking brand names. I think you can earn your way into something and that way kind of continue to build a program. Uh, but I think I think we're getting closer to that. This, this opt-out thing is getting uh, uh, ridiculous. And I don't blame the players. I mean, when Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette, however many years ago, maybe five or six, uh, decided to opt out and still were picked fourth and eighth in the in the first round of the draft. The NFL gave a very very strong signal they don't care, and everybody's about money right now. This is a money grab and then some. The college football, whether it's name, image, and likeness, and Quinn Ewers leaving Ohio State for the riches back in Texas, and remember he for he he gave up his senior year of high school football for the riches to go to Ohio State for an NIL deal. I just think this is all about finding out how to get yours, and I think we've we've reached that uh, a paradigm now that the the bowl games aren't sustainable. How about these coordinators that are off to get? bigger and head coaching jobs and opportunities, the decision then becomes, do I stay with my team for the bowl game or in the playoff, as the case might be with Georgia, or do I leave now and go start my head coaching career? How do these coaches arrive at that conclusion? Well, again, if we would do as I'm suggesting with this oversight committee moving away from this early signing date, if we had the opportunity for these guys to finish the job that they're currently on, take their team all the way to the championship if they're lucky enough to get there, there is still ample time to get in and get your feet wet with your new team. You can put a staff together, but you can get your new team on their way. Kirby Smart did that when he was at uh, Alabama before going to Georgia, finished with his team. But we got to make some rules that allow for that so that these coaches don't feel like they're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Right. Uh, we love that coaches, you know, get to ascend from a coordinator job. Uh, that's a wonderful thing. I mean, who could say that Brent Venables wasn't deserving after all the time he spent at Clemson doing such a great job as the coordinator there for Dabo Sweeney? Who could be upset at Dan Lanning taking an opportunity like like Oregon? And the list goes on and on, right? We, we've seen that Brent Pry from from uh, Penn State to get a chance to go and be at Virginia Tech. Yeah. These are these are great coaches and guys that have been in the business, and you know what? Their number's been called. It's time for them to go, but we need that transition, much like the NFL, to have a window of time that it doesn't disrupt from the players because otherwise we don't look like we're caring about the, the most important piece of this whole thing, which are the 18- to 22-year-olds. Let's assume that you had an Oregon Duck fan 
standing in front of you. Maybe somebody who was in that um, that suite with you when you put the Ducks hat on for the picture. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Penny, Knight, Penny Knight took that picture, by the way. I know. I know. I know the whole story. Let's assume there was a, a diehard Oregon Duck fan standing in front of you and they said, Mr. Neuheisel, how did we do? We traded Cristobal for Lanning. We traded... Um, an experienced head coach that we lost to the University of Miami for an up-and-coming defensive coordinator of the University of Georgia. How did we do, Mr. Neuheisel? I would say you did really well. I got to meet with Dan Lanning when I did the Georgia-Auburn game earlier in the year. And as is the case, the television talent gets to meet with the coaches and the coordinators for the upcoming game. And Dan Lanning was very uh, interesting to me. He had been uh, at Arizona State earlier in his career with Todd Graham. And Mike Norvell, he actually was with Norvell at Memphis and then was on his way to Florida State. And that's when when uh, Kirby Smart uh, brought him to Georgia. And he's been a terrific coach. He used to, he, as a matter of fact, the way he described it, this Georgia defense, which up until the Alabama game was considered, you know, impenetrable. He said, uh, we know we're not perfect. As a matter of fact, they call me the doctor. So when they come in on Sundays or Mondays uh, to look at the film, they go, come to the doctor's office. I got something for you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so Lanning has a, had a great relationship with the players. He's a young guy. He's got all sorts of enthusiasm and energy. My question is, has he had a long, enough time on this side of the country to get his feet wet and get going immediately? Cristobal had been here a year as an assistant uh, and certainly spread his wings in the southeastern portion of the country you look at Oregon's recruiting ranks, that's where he was going. But that's not a sustainable model. Not when the SEC is even going to get more powerful with Texas and Oklahoma. you got to be strong in the West, and that would be my only question about the hire. Is he got enough roots with the high school coaches on this side of the country? And if he does really well, will he stay? Because Willie Taggart left after one year, and Cristobal, as the great Bear Bryant once said, mama called, and Cristobal's <laughs> on his way back to Miami. And how will the U do with Crystal Ball? Will they return to the form that I recall when a certain upstart Washington team traveled to the Orange Bowl to face? Uh... Hey, 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 hey! If you're <laughs> if you're going to bring up history, go one year further I know, back. I know, I know. So yes, yeah, there you are again doing. I know, I know, I know. But you're not remembering the I game know, that I mattered know. most. Okay. <laughs> Just so we're clear. Uh, uh, listen, Mario Cristobal will be fine. The difference between that Miami and this Miami is the venue. They played in a dilapidated Orange Bowl, but yet it was the Orange Bowl, and it was their Orange Bowl. And it was right across the street from where they you know, went to school. Now they're asking students to make a 45-minute drive and head to the uh, stadium in, in uh, Fort Lauderdale. And that's, that's a difficult thing. And if it's not a big-time opponent it's not an easy thing it's it it makes it more difficult so they've got uh, a lot of the things that they needed fixed dan radakovich going there from clemson as the athletic director is a great hire a great hire but how to build a facility that they can fill and make one of the venues that every college athlete wants to come and see and then maybe more importantly play in that's another that's a that's another uh, item all unto itself and I'm anxious to see that happen having coached at the Rose Bowl uh, with UCLA as much as I love the venue it's hard because if it's not a great opponent it's not going to be a great crowd mm-hmm. and 
that makes it more difficult than some of the other places that are playing for big prizes. Rick Neuheisel, presented by Taco Time, tacotimenw.com slash careers. Bryce Young is your Heisman Trophy winner. He's a sophomore winner. He'll be back next year. We all remember, well, some of us remember 74 and 75 and the great Archie Griffin. He's going to return under the the NIL arrangement, which I would presume means he's going to make a lot of money on his name, image, and likeness. What do we think about his season next year as a junior? You know, he's going to be fantastic. I mean, the standard that is set by uh, Nick Saban, if you didn't know it, then all you needed to do was watch the SEC championship game following the week that was anything but up to the standard, other than the, the finish, right? Yeah, yeah, the, the, the come-from-behind 97-yard drive, Bryce was fantastic. Uh, the overtime period, they were flawless. But the way they coach there and the challenge that they've set forth and the character of the young man, along with his impeccable poise, set him up for greatness. Now, the problem is he's going to be a favorite. And as a favorite, since Archie Griffin, we have picked, poked, prodded, and made it almost impossible to meet the standard that we set for these guys. And then usually somebody comes along that just has, you know, that fascinating wonderful year that gives us uh, the reason to say well he's the guy but uh, if we're honest with ourselves Bryce Young will be right in this thing next year mm. before we get off of the coaching thing and I ask you about your favorite bowl games we'll take a week break with Rick Neuheisel then come back before the um, before the national semifinals let me ask you about the Clemson situation in Dabo I guess he lost both his offensive and defensive coordinators to head coaching yep. jobs. And, 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 and his general manager, who went along with Brent Venables to Oklahoma. Right. The, uh, a guy by the name of Thad Turnipseed. I can't make that up. That's his name. <laughs> Thad Turnipseed did he to also, Oklahoma. Did he also lose his athletic director to the University of Miami, or was that somebody else? He, no, that's exactly right. Okay. Dan Radakovich left. So, okay. yeah, it, it is a departure. And remember, this is the same Dabo Sweeney that said, I'm not interested in the transfer portal. I'm not going to do all these things. I'm going to keep my team the way I keep my team. And now he's got some real decisions. Although it looks like, Mitch, that both the uh, promotions, the uh, new coordinators will both be guys that were on his current staff. Well, my question to you was going to be with all of the, all of the exits from the Clemson program, athletic director, coaches, a director of player guys, whatever, I guess it's time to start asking the question again. Do you think that Dabo would ever try the NFL? Do you think the NFL will ever try Dabo? You know, he'll be fascinated with it, but I, I, just, I just think of him as Andy Griffith. I think of him as a Mayberry guy, and I don't think that works. I think he's a program guy. We're seeing how Urban Meyer's doing at the NFL. I mean, he's disintegrating right before our eyes. Mm-hmm. Dabo knows who Dabo is, and he's going to stay right where he is until he's done and be very, very satisfied with that. My guess is no, not the NFL. If I was a student or a fan at the uh, University of Nevada, I would be miffed. We lost our up-and-coming head coach to another team in the same conference. Is that right? Did I read that correctly? Yeah. How does that? You how, read that correctly. How, how, how does Nevada not do enough to keep him? Give him a raise, do whatever. I understand if he goes to Washington or if he goes to Oregon, but he went to Colorado State in the same conference, for goodness sake. Right. Yeah, well, he was the lowest-paid coach uh, in the FBS, or at least one of the lowest-paid coaches in the FBS 
I think earning just a little over $600,000. And he's going to make at least double that, maybe even closer to triple that at Colorado State. So the money talked. Uh, Colorado State made such a huge investment in their facilities here recently that they have to have something work there. And the Steve Adazio plan did not. Steve Adazio was an Urban Meyer plant. Urban Meyer, you know, was very close to the athletic director who made that choice. And uh, he said Adazio was the guy. As a matter of fact, Adazio originally had Urban Meyer's son-in-law as the quarterback coach, but then an opening create was uh, was made at uh, Ohio State, and he ended up going there. But uh, the Adazio thing didn't work. And listen, uh, I think Jay Norbell is is a worthy candidate, no question about it. The question is, can he find a quarterback as good as Carson Strong was if he's going to enjoy this game kind of success that he enjoyed at Nevada? Mm-hmm. Okay, dare I ask, as we come to the end of uh, our episode 170 visit with Rick Neuheisel presented by Taco Time, dare I ask, you got 44 games, I think, 43 games, yes. 42 games from which to choose. We'll have you back in a couple of weeks to get your semifinal selections, but dare I ask, do you want to send us to the window one more time or no? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sending you to the window. <laughs> Yeah, this dismal performance uh, that I endured over the course of, uh, you know, 13, 14 weeks, uh, that's, that's stuck in my craw, okay. as the saying goes. So I am here to atone, yes. and I'm here to help those who are in need of some holiday spending yeah. money. Yeah. I, I just think it's important. No more coal in the stocking, as it were. We're going to – this is all about the treats for all the good little boys and girls. Okay. So uh, let's begin with the uh, – there's there's two games being played in baseball stadiums. As a matter of fact, p- potentially three. I'm not sure if the Cheez-It Bowl in Arizona <laughs> is played in where the Diamondbacks play. But, uh, but, but, uh, but the Fenway Bowl yes. is hitting Virginia against SMU. Yes. Virginia is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Okay. Uh, I, I see Virginia manhandling an SMU team. Really? I don't think They're... the SMU team is, uh, you know, Sonny Dykes left. He's at TCU. Garrett Riley left. He's already at TCU. Uh, I see this as kind of a, you know, kind of a game just to get past as Rhett Lashley tries to get his hooks in it. Uh, so I, the top two receivers at SMU aren't going to be there. We're going to go with uh, Virginia in the Fenway Bowl. And if you want to wear red socks while you watch it, <laughs> go right ahead. Go and, right ahead. And Virginia's playing for their coach, right, who said he's going to take a step away from Last college game. coaching. Yep. Last game. So it will be yep. an emotional It will be an emotional time for the Virginia Cavaliers. Bronco Mendenhall one, will go out on his, not a steed, but a Bronco. Okay. That's exactly right. Okay. Okay? Yeah. And then I'm going to move, and this is going to sound like a homer pick, uh, and it is, you know, let's, let's, let's put the car, let's put our money on the table. The holiday bowl features UCLA versus North Carolina state. Now this is the first bowl that Chip Kelly's going to be coaching in since he took over at UCLA. Uh, it hadn't gone well. I think DTR is going to, uh, play his last game at UCLA. That's Dorian Thompson Robinson. Uh, I like this. Uh, and I also think that North Carolina state coming a long way from home. Uh, I like I like the matchup, okay. so I'm taking the Bruins, and the Bruins right now are a one point dog in that game. Virginia minus a point, and we're getting a point or two with UCLA, and those are going to be Rick's bowl picks. Now, 
before you go, are there any games, forget forget picking the games, are there any games that strike your fancy? Like if Rick Nuazzo was going to sit down and watch a couple of football games from beginning to, to end because you're just oh, interested, yeah. besides the fact if you have a kid on the coaching staff. do you? Uh, yes, indeed. Which, yes, which indeed. ones? Some which really, ones? Yeah. Well, I, the Mike Leach Bowl. Mike Leach and Mississippi State is going to be playing against Texas Tech. That's the team that fired him. That's going to be an interesting game to see if Leach and, and Will Rogers, his quarterback, are ready to do battle and get that done. Same kind of situation with Pat Narduzzi in the Peach Bowl. Pitt is playing Michigan State. Pat Narduzzi was the defensive coordinator at Michigan State. And when that job opened, Narduzzi, although he was quiet about it, really wanted the job. They chose Mel Tucker, who now is cashing checks at $95 million <laughs> for the next 10 years. So Pat Narduzzi uh, and uh, Kenny Pickett, the Heisman finalist, they're going to have uh, a statement to make down there in Atlanta. <laughs> so those, those two games, I think, are going to be very fascinating. I think the BYU versus UAB game uh, is going to be a really interesting one. I think it's uh, – uh, I'm forgetting where they're playing that one, but uh, I think that's going to be fun. I, I think Kalani Sataki getting that huge extension. And one of the coaches out there, Mitch, that nobody really talks about is a guy by the name of Bill Clark, who is the, the UAB Blazer coach. Mm-hmm. Remember, UAB got discontinued. I think it was 2015. Basically, their program was done. There was some, you know, it was Bear Bryant's son that was kind of behind it. And it drew such rancor in the area that they raised money, hired Bill Clark to go out and recruit for a whole year, found all these these guys who didn't have teams and junior college guys, and they put together a team, and everybody in the country wanted to play them because they thought it was an easy win. And the guy won eight games that year, and he's been brilliant ever since. So I, I think that, that Bill Clark versus Kalani Sataki is definitely worth watching. Beautiful. Rick Neuheisel presented by Taco Time. We won't be with him next week, but in two weeks, we'll be right there on the doorstep of the national semifinals in college football. I wish you and the entire Neuheisel family, the whole regime in Arizona and all spread out wherever they might be in California, all of you, a very happy holiday, and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks, Rick. And uh, I do the same to everybody who listens to us. It's been a wonderful year. Uh, we're winding it up, but we've yep. got some great action to uh, to take in here down the stretch, and uh, we all got a lot to be thankful for. So thanks so much, my friend. Let's catch up with the Zeke's Pizza president, Dapper Dan Black, who joins us back on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. How are we doing, Dan? How are Zeke's Pizzas doing? Well, obviously, I'm looking good, given my nickname. Uh, uh, yeah, no, and Zeke's is doing well. Post-COVID, it's fun being open, having dining rooms open again. Pickup and delivery is still going good. People are ordering pizza, they're ordering beer, so yeah, it's fun. You know, Kraken fever is at a high, high pitch. Everybody's loving the Kraken. Everybody's loving Climate Pledge Arena. And the first ever location that I went to of Zeke's was that Belltown location. I would imagine that's a good spot pre- and post-game Kraken, yes? Oh, yeah, it's been awesome. We love the Kraken, uh, especially at that spot. You know, you mentioned the Belltown restaurant. It's got a great bar. I mean, it's like we always talk about. We have a really awesome Pacific Northwest beer list, but we've got cocktails, wine, 
everything you want in a full beer. So yeah, that location has been really lively before the game. The restaurant and bars packed out and then post game as well. We stay open late on crack and nights. And so the bar fills up after the games. People just want to keep the party going and, and we're happy to do it with them. It's now, fun. You, now you told us about Spokane the last time you were on the show. What are we doing? We got a couple of newbies coming to Western Washington, I understand. Yeah, we're swinging hammers in Spokane. It's getting close. Uh, but then, yeah, we got a couple on the west side here, too, that are that are within striking distance. Uh, Mill Creek up north uh, is going to be coming online relatively soon. And then White Center as well, closer into the city. And yeah, we expect them both to be really fun. The one in White Center is right in with Beer Star and stuff. So it's going to be a really cool location. And what's the Black family holiday choice in terms of orders? Yeah, for whatever reason, when it gets cold, we start to go a little bit more spicy on our end. So we're still drinking those fresh hop IPAs, so lateral A, but then the pizzas we're ordering that go good with them are the Cherry Bomb and the Dragon, which are kind of two of our classics. Both got a little kick to them. So nice. that's what we've been ordering. Gotta love Zeke's Pizza. Great partner of mine going back to the radio days. And Dan Black has been incredibly kind to us. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. On a very cold night of a very cold winter, our 21-year-old son, Max, walked off an ice-slicked pier onto the surface of Lake Ontario. We, my wife Meg, his sister Sarah and Elizabeth and I, presume that he walked until the ice gave way beneath him. We don't know, we will never know. Our next guest on Mitch Unfiltered, well, his name has become synonymous over the years with college football, a topic that he's treated with great grace and class, both with Sports Illustrated and ESPN. We'll even talk about at the end here, his newest project, which I don't know much about, I, I must confess. Ivan Mazel, who lost his son, Max, to an apparent suicide six years ago, is with us, and he joins us to talk about his important new book, I Keep Trying to Catch His Eye. Ivan, it's a real privilege to chat with you again, to connect with you again. You too, Mitch. Uh, I was delighted to see uh, your name in my email. Thank you. Thank you. As, as the father out here in Seattle of a 19-year-old Max... I'd love for you to share with our audience more about your Max. Sure. Max was our middle child, uh, our only boy. And he was, uh, in his words, comically tall. He was six feet five. And, and if his pockets were full, he might have weighed 140 pounds. Uh, he was uh, painfully shy and almost withdrawn and, Part of it, I think, really was a defense mechanism. He was somewhere uh, on, the, on the spectrum of learning disorders and had trouble you know, deciphering social cues, as many of, of those kids do. Uh, once he, uh, behind that wall, I guess, would be the best way to put it, Mitch, he was, was terrifically funny. He had a, just a really sharp wit, loved wordplay. And was really a sweet, doughy lump of a kid. He cared a lot about people, his family and friends, and and uh, uh, he did the best he could. When a child has trouble fitting in, Ivan, uh, we've all seen it as parents. It's really difficult on them. It's difficult on us because we don't know. Yes. We don't know quite how to handle that. Should we jump in? Should we leave it alone? What would you say to all that? You know, I 
pretty well left it alone and my wife pretty well jumped in. So <laughs> yeah, uh, a bit of both, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, uh, I wonder Mitch a lot, you know, Max had less than no interest in sports, which, you know, I always thought was proof that God has a sense of humor. <laughs> uh, and I tried to build a bridge to him and with my other interest, I got him interested in comedy at a very early age, you know, Marx brothers, Looney Tunes, things that are accessible to a, you know, a, a kindergartner, first grader and so forth. Uh, and from that developed a love of, of, of movies and, and Broadway. We live an hour from Midtown Manhattan. So, uh, you know, the, I felt like I tried to build a bridge to him. I wish I had crossed that bridge more often than expecting him to cross over to me. Uh, but you know, he was a typical boy in the sense that he loved video games and anime and that just wasn't you know where I was or, or didn't really think a father should be. A terrific young photographer that intensely hated being photographed himself, Ivan. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so he, he he discovered a camera in his teenage years and really took to it. But as you say, hated to have his picture taken and didn't like to take pictures of people. Again, that was sort of a an interaction with people that he, he was painfully shy. Uh, but he loved uh, and was quite talented uh, with landscape photography and architectural photography and just seeing shots that, you know, those of us who don't have that gift don't see. Uh, we've got a few of his prints hanging in the house and, and that is, uh, you know, his, his unwillingness, uh, to have his picture taken is the genesis of the title of the book. I, on the wallpaper of my phone is a photo of our three kids and the two girls are looking right at the camera and Max is looking mm -hmm. up and to the right. Mm -hmm. And so when I look at my phone, I keep trying to catch his eye. I keep trying to catch his eye is the name of the book. Count me as a father of two boys, Ivan, and I've struggled quietly at times in my life. So I'm, I'm familiar with the topic's importance and as I said to you before we started, I fully intend to read the book, but I, I have to be candid with you. I'm having trouble getting to the starting gate. Um, <laughs> I'm scared. Honestly, I'm scared of what yeah. I'm going to read. And I'm, I'm wondering aloud whether it might be too much for me. What would you say to members of our audience who might be in my boat? Well, really, Mitch, that's exactly why I wrote the book. You know, I, I was uh, as scared of grief and of the pain of grief as anybody I knew and uh, handled it really poorly, handled friends of mine who are grieving really poorly. And then all of a sudden I didn't have a choice and I had to deal with it. And I wrote the book really to be a tour guide through gr my grief and try to explain it with the hope that it would help people. Because if you live long enough, you're going to have to deal with grief. Mm. And the book is not, I mean, obviously, <laughs> obviously there are sad parts, uh, uh, but you know, there's, there's some humor in there and uh, you know, every, every three or four pages, I'm going to make you laugh or yeah. smile anyway. And, and, uh, Max, as I said, was a funny kid and, and humor is a, I try, 
I tried to leaven the message as best I could. I'll put it that way. You've said over and over, Ivan, uh, your family has as well, that while grieving is intensely personal, we all do it differently. For you and your family, understanding that the grieving process is just an extension of, of the expression of love for Max, that's helped you getting your arms around this over the years. Absolutely. And the the central, if I had to tell you, Mitch, a central message of the book, it's really that grief is love. It it is the form that the love for Max took after we didn't have Max anymore. And I didn't just sort of come up with that willy nilly and going about my way. I, I earned that revelation over months and, and of dealing with the pain of loss and there were really two steps to it. One was understanding that grief is permanent. You, you, you know, you miss, it's not something that you go through or, or get over. You just, it's here. It's you live with it and you learn to carry it with you. And once I learned that permanence, I just started thinking about, well, why am I in so much pain? And well, it's because I loved him so much. And, you know, as, as a, as a writer, we try to take a lot of words and pare them down to their base. And it just dawned on me that the amount of grief I had was equal to the amount of love I had. And, mm. and that message really resonated with me and it just made it a lot easier to stomach and, and to lean into the pain, understanding that it would ebb and flow. There's such a lovely story about the photo on the cover of the book. <laughs> yeah. I should say, I should, I should change that. Lovely and tragic, all wrapped into one. Tell everybody about the photo when they pick up the book, when they see the book online for the first time. Tell everybody what that photo is all about. It's, a, it's an unidentifiable to us man in a fedora hat with a cane behind him, shot from behind, gazing into a lake. So that's a self-portrait that Max took. He was a photography major, Mitch, at RIT in Rochester, New York. And he had an assignment to take a self-portrait for the author photo of a book of his photography. And that's the photo Max took. He did not like to have his picture taken. So he took a portrait of him from behind looking out onto Lake Ontario. It's about a mile west of where he walked out onto the ice the night he died. And uh, the, the cane, he, he was big into anime, as I said, and the cane was some prop of an anime character he liked. And it's, it, the photo's a little grainy, uh, and it's, it's haunting, but that's, that photo was Max, you know. And I love the fact that he's now a published photographer. <laughs> And I kind of feel like we finished the assignment. Yeah. You know, it's on a book jacket. You sure it's, did. It's not, a, it's not your traditional author photo, uh, but it is on a book yes, jacket. You sure did, Ivan. I, I've never lost a close friend or a loved one to suicide, let alone a child. I, I can't even imagine or begin to imagine the self-doubt and the guilt. What could have I done differently? No matter what a therapist or expert says about how little we can do for someone who is truly suicidal. It's got to be completely debilitating. Does that part of it for you, Ivan, subside at all as years go by, allowing yourself some peace and mercy? Well, time helps. 
Absolutely. And I think you learn with time that, that the pain, as I said a minute ago, the pain ebbs and flows. And you understand that when you're having a bad hour, you're having a bad day, that if you just let it wash over you, it will subside. As far as guilt goes, uh, Mitch, I had the great gift of the week Max disappeared. And I use that word because we did not recover his body for eight weeks from Lake Ontario. The week Max disappeared, a, a psychologist at Duke University who I grew up with called me and I had not spoken to her in 30 years, but our mothers were best friends. And uh, her name is Robin Gerwich. And Robin called me and said, you have to understand, you will never understand this because you think rationally, <clears throat> excuse me, and suicide is an irrational act. So <clears throat> you're just not going to be able to figure this out. And the sooner you grant yourself that dispensation of figuring it out, the better off you'll be. Mm -hmm. And the other thing she said to me was, unless someone says to you at this hour, at this, on this day, at this place, I intend to end my life. You can't stop them. And those was two pretty powerful messages. And look, did I grab onto them as a way to avoid guilt? Probably, but I, I carry them. I carry that message around with those messages around with me. They make sense. And I have, I know I did the best I could. And I know, I think the, the larger point, Mitch, is that mental illness is an illness. And if we thought of it, like we think of cancer, yes, then we wouldn't, the stigma would go away. And, and oddly enough, you know, for my parents' generation, there was stigma around cancer and people didn't talk about it. Right. Uh, you know, and once we got past that and brought it out to the open and the open, look at the progress we've made in the world over the course of our lifetimes against cancer. Yeah. And we can do that with mental illness and, and we've started, you know, we're not there yet, but we've started, but if we could do that with mental illness, we'd all be a lot better off. No question. And the, as you say, the process has begun bringing it out of the shadows and into the light. I mean, who better to help unlock the illness than tough guys that we cover, right? Who yes. are in, Who are in many cases. And women. They, the, and women who seem to be indestructible. You know, I've seen these PSAs from NFLers on Sundays now about seeking help and understanding that they've needed to see a therapist and talk to people. I think that's the beginning uh, of the tipping point. Absolutely. You know, strength is not, is not being invulnerable. Strength is saying you're vulnerable. You know, I need help. Strength is asking for help. And that message is beginning to get out there. There's a lot of, you know, societal sludge. It's got to work through, but I think, you know, we're getting there. And it, it, it makes total sense to me. And, and I hope that that becomes the norm and not this, you know, revelation that we're treating it as. I, Ivan, as someone who has written so beautifully for so many years, and I'm, I'm one of countless that have enjoyed your work from afar. Thank did you. you, did you always know in your heart that you'd write about Max when the time was right? I know you wrote it during the pandemic. How did you know that it was time to sit down? I think you need, I just needed perspective. I needed time. And 
I, I saw a, a, a quote from John Meacham, the historian in a book I read during the pandemic. And he said that mountains are best viewed at a distance. And I thought, and he was talking about Churchill, but I thought, okay, that, you know, maybe it, you know, this, I was getting all kinds of signs, you know, uh, and I, to your point, yeah, I knew eventually I would. And it just seemed like it was the right moment. And it was sort of the sweet spot of having perspective and it not being so far in the past that the, the memories didn't still make me wince. So, and the other thing I'll tell you, Mitch, I didn't write it therapeutically. I didn't write it cathartically. It would just, I needed to have my legs under me and be able to, mm-hmm. to write it rather than do it for my own benefit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, cathartic writing to me is, you know, you pay me $28 and I dump all my problems in your lap. Right. And I, I didn't want to do that. But now that it's complete and the world is reading it and by the way, loving it. Um, how, how does Max's dad feel different day to day or not at all? Well, it's, it's been really gratifying to see the response to the book and to see that the message is resonating with readers. And, and as you said at the top, it's, it's tough to coax people to the starting line on this book, but I think it's a valuable message. And that part has made me feel a lot better. And the, I've probably spoken in about, I don't know, 20 bookstores and, and to civic groups around the country so far. And talking about it has really kind of taught me things as I, I sort of am beginning to see things and come to realizations as I discussed it that I didn't have two months ago. And, and that part's kind of cool, too. As we finish up, Ivan, Ivan Maisel, uh, great enough to be with us here on Mitch Unfiltered. I've mentioned several times on both social media and on this podcast that, you know, the holiday season can be particularly tough a tough time for people in our lives that are struggling. And I've said that if you sense something is not quite right or something that's going on with a friend or a loved one for no particular reason, just engage him and her. Give that person a set of ears, a shoulder, a non-judgmental set of ears. Would you expand upon that signs that maybe we might be looking for this holiday season? Well, I I think... You're exactly right. I think, and depression is not uncommon during holiday seasons because people think, well, I'm supposed to be happy now. And, and I'm, why am I not? And the year is ending and time is going by and you reassess at the end of the year, all that stuff. And, and I'm no expert on mental health. Trust me. I'm an expert on one case of mental health, but it's, it's just simply asking people, how are you and listening? And you, you seem down, you know, how can I help? suggesting, you know, that it's okay to ask for help and nobody, you know, and, and really who cares, you know, if you need help, nobody cares. No, you know, it's, it's just the smart thing to do. Well, I, I wish you all the very best. I've been a fan of yours for a long time. I will get to the starting gate. I promise I will. Thank you. I will get to the starting gate. I, I do want to mention for our listeners who are huge college football fans and Ivan Mazel fans, that there's a new place, a kind of newish place where we find you. I, I, I'm going to admit ignorance here. Confess ignorance. I don't know about on3.com. Tell me about it, please. Well, it's a startup. We turned the lights on right before the season started, and and uh, we have uh, 
you know, we're, we're still painting and spackling and laying carpet <laughs> as the season has gone along. Uh, uh, but uh, the guys who started Rivals.com sold it to Yahoo, started 247sports.com, sold it to CBS. They came to me and said, hey, we're going to start up again. And they got to have a great track record. Uh, it, it's uh, very heavy into recruiting coverage, you know, for Husky and some Cougs who like that and <laughs> who doesn't. And, uh, uh, and it's uh, very, there's a lot of team sites from around the country that, you know, we have relationships with, they feed us readers and content and, and we do the same to them. And, and the content, the, the recruiting content, Mitch, is all behind the paywall. I'm out in front of the paywall. I'm sort of the carnival barker to get people to come <laughs> check us out. Uh, so it's it's been great. They've let me do uh, go cover and tell the stories that I've been telling for a long time. And I've had a, it's been a lot of fun this season. Ivan, and just think of it, a, a brand new startup project gets a brand new story that we've never seen before. Nick Saban, some guy, Nick, Nick. <laughs> Nick Saban and Alabama, they're good this year. Alabama is actually good this year. And might Who saw win, that coming? And, yeah. and might win another national championship. I've lost count. Is it six, seven, eight? I don't know how many he's got. He's got six at Alabama and one at LSU. Oh, so, uh, But it's been, it, it, I mean, all kidding aside, it's been a great, crazy season. I think nobody understood – the effect that the super seniors would have on, you know, the game this year and, and the amount of experience that's out there. We've had teams that we don't normally expect that have come to the fore and, and then the usual suspects were, were right there at the end. And, and we had such a fantastic Thanksgiving weekend of oh, football. And I oh, think, yeah, you know, I think the two playoff games are going to be pretty good. And before you go NIL, I'd love to know Ivan Mazel's thoughts about this. Should I be worried as a college football fan that it's going to do more to separate the haves from the have-nots? Or are we going to get an all-inclusive? I guess when we go to 12, ultimately we'll go to 12 teams. We'll all feel good. Those of us that root for somebody not named Alabama or Ohio State or Clemson. You know, Mitch, I was late to the party on NIL. I freely admit it. You know, I thought the world would end, and then I realized it really wouldn't. <laughs> And I just saw a headline this week that the University of Texas is starting a fund, an NIL fund, and it's offensive linemen, you know, they, they expect to pay them $50,000 a year. And I just had this sort of flash in my head of, of all those headlines of George Steinbrenner paying people <laughs> way too much money, and it never did any good. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I think paying players is no guarantee that they will – be coached well. And, uh, the same things that win will continue to win. And the smart coaches, you know, I will employ NIL and, and the transfer portal better than everybody else. And, and on we'll go. Well, Ivan, I thank you. I thank you not just for all the years of great service and in, in writing and covering college football, a sport that I love. So many of us love, uh, and more than just obviously being on, on our show, but, for opening yourself up and writing this book for the world to see. Your courage is going to help a lot of people. I just know it. I just know it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mitch. It's uh, always great to hear your voice either when I'm talking to you or just listening. So I really appreciate being on. Time to catch up with my friend Lindsay Schwartz, the CEO of Daniel's Broiler. Lindsay, how are you and how the holiday season starting at my favorite steakhouse? 
Hey, Mitch, doing great. We had an awesome Thanksgiving. It was nice to see you there. And we're super excited for the month of December. It's going to be a really busy one for us. And it's the time of the season where we're always looking for stocking stuffers and Hanukkah gifts. You've got the famous Daniel's Mixers being sold not only on Amazon, but now in local stores. Yeah, just in time for the holidays. And it is a perfect stocking stuffer, perfect holiday gift. Uh, we've got all four cocktail mixers, the Old Fashioned, the Lavender Martini, the Whiskey Sour, the Kentucky nice. Mule, available on Amazon and now at QFC. Now, I'm not a huge drinker, but one night after you gave me samples on the golf course, we sat at the table tasting drinks in the mixers, and we've decided that the Levy family is partial to the Lavender Martini Mixer. What do you think about that? It's great, and we sell a ton of those in the restaurants. That's always been a really popular drink, as well as the old-fashioned. I, I actually kind of like the uh, whiskey sour the best, but uh, everybody's different. Now you're offering a special deal to Mitch Unfiltered listeners like you did back on Father's Day. How do we get that deal, and what kind of deal do we get on these things? Yeah, we're going to do 10% off just for Mitch Unfiltered listeners. Nice. You just uh, type in the code Mitch10DB for that 10% off. We did it with you for Father's Day. It was really successful, and we're excited to do it for the holidays. And that code will be good through the end of the year. What's the cost of these mixers? They're 17 bucks before the discount. Okay. Very good. So go to Amazon.com. Or go to QFC, but to get the discount, go to Amazon.com. Discount code, would you say, Mitch10DB, as in Daniel's Broiler? And you'll get That's 10% right. off of any mixer that you want. They're very, very popular. Daniel's Broiler mixers for the holiday season. A great stocking stuffer. We love Daniel's Broiler. World-class steakhouses. Unfiltered. Other stuff segment, boring episode 170. Right now, Frank in Tacoma is snoozing. He's snoring aloud. Oh, better than melatonin. We thank him for... I'm better than melatonin. Hilarious. Like, no one's ever used that, that joke before. Why don't we use that as like a promotional... Fr Mitch Unfiltered, better than melatonin. Yeah. Let's yeah. do it. I yeah. just do a podcast that says... Uh, completely free and worth it. <laughs> that always makes me laugh every time I hear it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it is pretty funny. Uh, all right. Uh, yes. The National yes, Nightmare yes. is over. You it can is? all sleep as Dr. Dre and the greatest Newport Night ever, Nicole Young. Well, we're back to her again. Well, it's over. They've reached an agreement in principle to finally put their divorce to bed. The two had been at war, as I've been telling you, over money for over a year. Yeah. She wanted $2 million a month in temporary spousal support. Two million a month, and Dre ended up ponying up a one-time check for two million, and then half a million in attorney's fees. But all the details haven't been released. But a photo showing Dr. Dre with balloons that read "Divorced AF" behind him started to make the rounds on social media. Is that all Friday. she got? Like two million, three million dollars? Well, like I said, the, all the details haven't oh, been released, okay. but it appears to be over because he posted that thing. It's a divorced AF. So this well, could this could be this is one of the nastiest divorces in Hollywood history. Don't forget, Dr. Dre was served served with Doc's. At the tail end of his grandmother's funeral, they came to him and served oh, him papers at the God. tail end of his grandmother. It's one of the dirtiest, nastiest divorces in Hollywood history. So I'm curious. Is to it see a Hollywood divorce? Is that what it is? Dr. Dre, a Hollywood guy? I guess so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Our thoughts are with Lamar Jackson carted off the, the field in the Baltimore Cleveland game on Sunday with an ankle injury. 
You hate to see that. Yeah. One of the most explosive and dynamic players in the NFL, and that changes everything for Baltimore in the uh, in the AFC. He's obviously a very exciting player to watch. So uh, our thoughts are with him. Yeah. Oregon's got a new head football coach. Yeah. And I don't know whether I'm as captivated by who it is. Georgia defensive coordinator Dan Lanning. You know, that Georgia team that's playing in the national playoff that's considered the, one of the greatest defenses we've ever seen, except for the fact that Alabama hung like 90 on them. <laughs> right. Other than that, though. Well, the architect of that defense is a guy named Dan Lanning, and he is, he's leaving Georgia, although he's going to stay for the playoffs if there's one game or if there's two games. And then he will, uh, he will accept and become the new head football coach at the University of Oregon. I saw, I saw he was trending, so I checked it out. Yeah. But then there was a bunch of people below it, like, like journalist types who said, oh, this isn't yeah. true. This isn't. It so was, I didn't know which way so, it was supposed to go. Yeah, it was a report a couple of days ago by Chip Towers in Atlanta. And everybody's like, no, we don't have that. We don't have that. And then it ended up being right. Wow. Okay. Um, the thing that I, I don't think I can get over is he's 35 years old. <laughs> I know, man. I know. I know. It's, yeah. I felt that way about the Rams coach. Okay. He's like, he's 35. Now, you were with me when we started Mitch in the Midday or, or soon thereafter, right? Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. He was nine. <laughs> <laughs> when you put it that way, yes. He was nine effing years old. Yeah. When we started Mitch in the Midday, and he's now coaching the University of Oregon. Just skyrocketed past both of us, just like we're standing Skyrocketed. He was biased when he was born, when he came out of the <laughs> womb, for God's sakes. 35. See, I didn't know he was that 35 young. 35 years old. Wow. The head coach. Of the University of Oregon. That's wow. how young he is. Uh, yeah. What the hell did we you do go wrong? <laughs> Your buddy Michael Strahan, yeah. you're a big fan, yeah. hurled into space with four other astronauts on board. I don't know if you saw that, the new Shepard rocket. It, I thought it's going to... Has it already happened? Yeah, it already happened. Oh, yeah. Did he go like with Jeff Bezos or something or yeah, what? Yeah, it, so it, it was originally supposed to take off uh, for the 10-minute flight on Thursday, but Bezos said, nah, there's some kind of high winds going on. So apparently all the passengers got some sort of stipend to do it, and Strahan says he's donating his to the Boys and Girls Club. But yeah, he went up and then came back down. And once they were really? up there... Was they were, he on his NFL duties? You don't know. I don't know. When did this happen? It's a, it was like a 10-minute flight, 15-minute okay. flight. I'm not sure yeah, exactly. But I, I think the day after. I think it happened on Friday. So. Nice. He's back. I know. Pretty cool. Did he say anything about the flight? I mean, did he enjoy himself? I, I can't believe you're this interested in, in, in one of my stories. You never ask questions, and now you have three follow-ups so I have I'm no sorry, answers I won't for. Ask. I won't ask. <laughs> I like when you answer me. Did the space in his teeth kind of decrease <laughs> up in space? Did something happen? That there? was the space he flew into, actually, was in his teeth. <laughs> but yes. It really wasn't the atmosphere. But okay. yeah, you could see him like, wait, they're all weightless and kind of having fun oh and, nice yeah pretty cool 10 minutes would you go i don't think i would i, I wouldn't go i think i'm There's out no way i'm going for free like you can no go. i'd be so freaking sick yeah oh I, i'd I be throwing up i would and then the sick. throw up would be like hanging no, up in the you can't get rid of it it doesn't go anywhere it just joins <laughs> just, you the oh yeah that's not no see do you get sick on rides yeah i get sick oh you do i'm uh yeah like motion sickness yeah See, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, get I, I don't really get sick on rides. I'd just be too. I think I'd just be freaked out. I'd be too scared. I don't know. I'm sure the payoff. Oh, I'd, great, I'd be that too. Yeah. There, there's, there's a lot of layers to why I would, <laughs> I would say thank you, but no thank you to Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Tiger is back. We talked about it at 169p, but I wanted to repeat it. Uh, I'm so really happy about this, and, and it's not because I'm a huge Tiger fan. I am a Tiger fan, but I think it just, 
it's perfect for the holiday season that he's playing with his son. Yeah, how That cool. he's been able to overcome that, the injuries from that incredibly almost catastrophic or was catastrophic car accident in Los Angeles like nine or ten months ago. He's now up and about and hitting golf shots and is going to play in that father-son deal. That's kind of a tournament this coming weekend in Florida. I, I think that's a, a really nice touch to the holiday season. Is that televised? Can we all oh, watch yeah. that? Of course. Okay. Of course. Well, I didn't know it's Look, got kids and nothing, stuff. Nothing that Tiger Woods does <laughs> yeah, all right. is not televised. Okay? If he were vacuuming his car instead of Jermaine Kerr's, that would be on TV too, right? Everything he does, just put it on TV. No, he was not vacuuming no, his car. He's never vacuumed no, the car in the last no. 30 years, has he? No. So I'm glad to have Tiger cool. Woods back. Yeah. So are you from, do you know the whole Corey Benjamin's daughter thing? I'm aware of the whole story. Okay, well, Corey Benjamin's daughter sucker punched a kid during a basketball Going game. Going down the floor. Yeah. After something happened on one end, they were jogging down the floor, and Corey Benjamin, who used to play for the Chicago Bulls, I believe he was a first-round, late first-round draft choice, his daughter, Cole Cocked, yeah. at what age? Like 14, 13? Yeah, 15 maybe. 15. Yeah. Cole Cocked the girl when she wasn't looking as they were going, and dropped her, dropped just her. completely dropped her, right? Well, th- There's more to the story. Go ahead, you tell us more to the story. Well, the mom yes. of the girl has been charged criminally Arrested. in yes. California after allegedly directing her daughter to sucker punch the kid Correct. during the game, which is kind of interesting. 44-year-old Latira Shanti Hunt was hit with two misdemeanor charges, battery and contributing to the delinquency of a minor. Correct. That's kind of interesting that we're Why? going after parents because she allegedly told her daughter to do it. She yelled from the stands... After they got tangled up at one side of the floor, she yelled from the stands so that everybody could hear, you better hit her for that. Oh, yeah. You better hit her for that as they were jogging down the floor. So people, and, then, and then the girl hauled off. Boy, and did Cole, she. Yep. And Cole Cocker. After her mother was yelling it, that's why they are they have arrested the mother. If she's that's ultimately right. convicted, she faces a year in jail, which she won't get, but... That's pretty crazy. You can get arrested for telling your kid to do something. Well, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm not opposed to it. I'm not against a, it. Yeah, provoking an assault essentially. Yeah, and Corey Benjamin, I don't think was there. Maybe he was. Maybe he wasn't. But um, he's apologized. He apologized yes, the yeah. day after. Like this is not how we raised our daughter. I'm so sorry. I don't know if the mother and the father are still together. But uh, yeah, just a very unsettling. I mean, you go to girls' basketball games all oh. the time. Just You don't want to see... Oh, no. just awful. And while right? while the daughter's not facing any charges, she has been punished. The league permanently banned her from competing. So thanks, Mom. Congratulations, you're in order, to Bryce Young, the Alabama quarterback. Yes. Who is the Heisman Trophy winner of 2021. And he, he represents something very interesting. Well, a couple of things very interesting. He's a first in one way and a rarity in another. Okay. The rarity is he's a sophomore. Oh, yeah. Not a lot of sophomores have won the Heisman. Now, as you know, only one guy has won the Heisman twice, 1974 and 75. My favorite stump the band trivia question. You know who that is, right? Archie Yeah, Manning? not Manning. He never Archie won Archie Griffin. Archie Griffin, yes, the running that's back. Right. That's what I meant. From yeah. the Ohio State Buckeyes. That's right. Jermaine Kersey. <laughs> Jerome Kersey. How dare there you? There have been a lot of... Play, not a lot of. There have been a handful of players that have had an opportunity to win it too. Typically, when they win it, they go pro right after. Right. But guys like Lamar Jackson, we just talked about him. When he won it, he was a sophomore. He did not win it the next year. I think Tim Tebow had a year or two after he won it. He did not win it a second time. Here we are with a sophomore who has to stay another year. So he's the Alabama quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner, coming back next year. 
presumably on a very good Alabama team. Yeah. He would be the odds-on favorite. So maybe Archie Griffin is finally going to have company as a two-time winner. That's the first thing. That's the rarity. The first, he's a first in this way. Okay. He's the first Heisman Trophy winner during the NIL era. Oh, right. To, to win it. So he not only comes back next year, but he can earn as much money as he wants <sighs> off his name, image, and likeness. Now, the other thing about him, and I don't like Alabama, I don't like Nick Saban, but you, you listen to this kid for 10 seconds in an interview, and you love him. You love this guy. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, he's like exactly what you would want your son to grow. He's modest. He's soft-spoken. Yeah. He gives nothing but credit to other people. I mean, he's nice. he's a handsome guy. I mean, he's he's got it all. He's got it all. And you would think that if any company was going to play pay any college football player, yeah. this would be the guy that would make millions and millions of dollars next year. And I don't know. Millions and millions might be too much. But yeah, I know what you're so saying. he comes back. As the Heisman Boy. Trophy winner, as a junior at Alabama, with the ability to earn money on his name, image, and likeness. I wonder if he'll be able to get a date at any point during. I think he's going to do okay during his junior year. I think he's doing okay for himself. Gosh. Boy, it's good to be him. Good to be Bryce Young. <laughs> he's also playing in the national semifinals in a couple of weeks right. in Cincinnati. Oh. Uh, probably in the final game against either Michigan and Georgia. He'll probably be the national champion quarterback, yeah. along with his Heisman Trophy. Anyway. Are th those games they're on New Year's uh, New Year's Eve, right? I think they're the on, semifinals are yeah. on third the thirty first. Yes, is that kind of weird to have them on New Year's Eve? That feels like a weird day. I think day. it's a. Um, I don't like it. Is it a Saturday? Is it just the way they fall on a Saturday? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. New Year's Eve feels like you're kind of busy. I don't know. No, I. Yeah, I think that they might. One of them might be during the day. They might be a little earlier. Yeah, I think much. they are a little yeah. earlier. Yeah. Like, of course, we're not going to have them yeah. on during the festivities of people. Yeah. But I don't know. There's enough going on on New Year's you know who's Eve. Who's pissed? Ryan Seacrest is pissed. <laughs> right, Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> God. By the way, talk about people uh, who it's Clark good to be. Is is rolling around in his That's grave. That's right. He wouldn't stand he for it, Dick Clark. Syracuse University's own Dick Clark. Is that right? Him yes. too? Yes. It's all you guys. Yes. Goodness gracious. All right. This is kind of a weird story. The sheriff, Brent Lynch, you see this? The top law enforcement official in Owsley County, Kentucky, was arrested for assault on Thursday after allegedly striking a teenage girl while coaching a oh girls' basketball game. Do you see the video of this? No. It occurred, it, it, it's all on camera if you want to watch it. It went down in Perry County, Kentucky last Friday. He's a coach for Owsley County. He ran onto the court oh. after players on both teams started fighting, and he's accused of hitting a girl in the face, probably, oh. I'm guessing, the other team. He's been charged with fourth-degree assault. The charge carries up to a year in jail and fine if convicted. Awful. Currently behind bars, at least when I wrote this, in Three Forks Regional Jail after he was arrested by his own officers. This is crazy. Like, control yourself, people. God, he's adults. I give, I give you Bryce Young and you give me this guy. This <laughs> I know. is how you respond to my Bryce Young. Right. Corey Benjamin's ex and this guy should get together. They just Jesus. can't stop provoking and causing violence at well, kids' I, games. Well, I would prefer Jesus. to focus on the impressive this holiday season. So I'm gonna I'm gonna see your coach who went onto the floor and struck a player and raise you Jake Hayner. Okay. Do you know who Jake Hayner is? I do, yes. I think that most of our listeners know who Jake Hayner is, but I want to give him a shout out. Jake Hayner, for the for the listeners in our audience that don't know who he is, started his career, his college football quarterbacking career at the University of Washington. Mm -hmm. He competed with Jacob Eason for the starting right. quarterback job. Eason got it after he transferred back home from the University of Georgia. And Jake Hayner then decided to go ahead and transfer, as you would expect him to do. Yeah. He landed at Fresno State. 
I believe he sat out a year. I think he did. I think he did, yeah. And then this past year for Kalen DeBoer, who's now the head coach of Washington, yeah. who was the head coach of Fresno State, Jay Kaner put together like a 30, a 37 or 39 touchdown year. He was one of the best quarterbacks yeah. in the nation for Fresno State. And he has one year left of eligibility. And his head coach, Kalen DeBoer, decided to go to Washington, as did his offensive coordinator. Yep. Everybody was leaving. And so he decided, you know what? I'm going to throw my name into the transfer portal and maybe join them back at what? Can you imagine transferring away from Washington Crazy. and then coming back to Washington with your head coach, with your offensive coordinator to play your final year of college football? Makes sense, right? Yep. Okay. He gets trashed by Fresno State boosters and oh. alum. Hey, you're leaving us. Yeah. You're going to go back to Washington. What, what, what are we? You come here. We give you a great place. You're going to go back. So he starts getting trashed a little bit. And they name Jeff Tedford, the former Cal coach, yeah. the new Fresno State coach. Jeff Tedford is a guy that Jake Hayner loves. So Jake Hayner decides, you know what? I was just in the transfer portal. A lot of guys that go in the transfer portal come back out, decide they're not going to transfer. I'm going to stay at Fresno State and play my final year. Okay. All of these things are reasonable. He's a young man who's looking for the best place to quarterback his final year. Maybe go to the NFL, maybe not. Sure. Yeah. Nothing that he did was unreasonable, and there were no reasons that uh, that you would you would shake a stick at or whatever you, whatever the expression you want to yeah. use. And yet, when he decided to return to Fresno State and take his name out of the transfer portal, he did a video. Now, I don't know if you've seen the video. I have not. He he owed, as far as I'm concerned, he owed nobody anything. I'm with you. He's a freaking 21 or 22-year-old guy yep. who was going to go with his coach and his offensive coordinator to Washington to put himself in his best position to succeed. And then Fresno State hired a guy that he respects, that he thinks could help him, and he decided to stay at Fresno State. Nothing that he did was out of bounds. Nothing. All right. He did a video explaining, apologizing, oh. and explaining, which was, like, incredible. It was. Yeah, I just think putting himself in that, but he, he owed nobody an explanation, and he got in front of a camera, and he apologized. He explained why I went in the transfer portal, why I was thinking about going to Washington to follow mm. these two guys. I think we all knew. Why, why I, I've decided to now take my name out of it and stay at Fresno State. How much I appreciate everything everybody's done for me here and how, how excited I am for my final season under the direction of Jeff Tedford. It was, it was so mature and so impressive and so unnecessary as right. far as I'm concerned. I just wanted to make a mention of that in the other stuff segment. Is he apologizing to both fan bases or mostly no, Fresno I, I State? No, I think he was just saying, you know, to Fresno State, like, hey, I know that a lot of people were upset with me, and yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Didn't need to do any of it and right. did it anyway, and you're like, God, this kid must have a great head on his shoulders. So I will sit here and tangibly root for Jay Kaner at Fresno State. I wrote on Twitter, I would have loved to have seen him at Washington yeah. for the final year. That would have been fun. But this kid's carry this this video speaks to his character. If you haven't seen the video, go watch him sit in front of a camera and explain. It's very nice. As a Husky very fan, nice. I'm pretty bummed though. It would have been fun oh, yeah. to see him slinging it. Yeah, around. you might have lost Sam Heward though. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, we'll see. All right, here's well, we won't see. Here's a story for producer Steve. He's gonna love this one. Oh, the Time Magazine Athlete of the Year isn't Super Bowl champ Tom Brady or gold medal winning gymnast Suni Lee. 
It's Simone Biles, according to Time Magazine. Who? Why does this? She, why does this mean something to Steve, our producer? Oh, he was very upset about her. Oh, bagging oh, out on. He the doesn't Olympics. like. Oh, I don't. Oh. Think, yeah, I mean, he was not. He called oh, her. Oh, okay. We don't like Simone Biles. We. Yes. When I say we, him. Yeah, I don't. He I don't, doesn't like Simone. I don't Biles. think he cares for her and her okay. her whole hijinks and not you know not performing at the you know the whole Got thing. Got it. But she is the. Time Magazine Athlete of the Year. It's a controversial pick. Just ask anybody on Twitter. They selected the four-time gold medalist, uh, but she, you know, like we talked about, she pulled out of the 2020 Olympics. Yeah, she wasn't struggling with mental health yeah, issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And including the twisties, which sounds horrifying. Horrible. Yeah. When you're way up in the air and you start no, no. losing kind of where you are and all oh, that. Not yeah. Good. No. Yeah. So congratulations to Simone Biles, Athlete of the Year. Why are you laughing? I don't know. It just makes me laugh. Jesus. It just makes me it's not, You could have gone with Tom Brady or the, the woman who got the gold medal instead of her, but no, you go with Simone Biles. And I just love that she's pissing people off as we speak. Did you see the Kenny Pickett slide or fake slide last week in the ACC championship game? Kenny Pickett's the quarterback of yeah, that. Yeah. He took off after going back to pass. He faked a slide. The, the, the defender held off because he didn't want to get a penalty. And then he stayed up on his feet and ran for a touchdown. Yeah. There's already a rule change. Already? It took, it took like four days. <laughs> the NCAA, who doesn't, who, who takes 20 years to do anything. <laughs> right. I know. It takes 15 <laughs> years to go to a playoff. Yeah. It takes 20 more years to expand the playoff to 12 games. Yeah. Uh, apparently, they can change a rule in two, in two hours. Yeah. Like in, in like 48 hours from that play, they've changed the rules. The officials have already been notified. If somebody, if a quarterback goes to start a slide yeah. and he fakes, he's down right there. The play is blown dead. The Kenny Pickett rule is now in existence. So, like, it's in effect for the playoffs? It's in effect right now. Wow. They changed it right now. They can't do any. <laughs> they can't change yeah. NC, the, 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 the font on NCAA. Right. It takes them 12 years. Right. This... They changed Johnny right away. on the spot with right this, away, aren't they? Right away. You can now no longer fake like you're going into a slide if you're a quarterback because it, it, it violates the integrity. The integrity of the rule is we're trying to protect you. Yeah. We don't want you to get hammered. So we're telling defenders that when you slide, lay off. You can now no longer fake a slide and then have them lay off and then go for a touchdown. No way. No way. See, the faking of the slide doesn't bother me. I mean, if you're the defender, just make sure he slides down. That's your job. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I, I like the rule. I don't like. You do. Oh yeah. I mean, I can see both sides. No, like, you're sort of taking advantage no, of a yeah, completely. Yeah. Of something that's to protect your physical condition. Yeah. You're taking advantage of that. No. That's no. kind of. That's kind of. I no. mean, it's, it's. If you start your slide, if you start to fake a slide, you're down right there. You're I like, done. I like the Plays gamesmanship over. of it, though. Remember, was it Marino who did the fake spike and then do? Yeah, the, but that. Yeah, but that's a little different. It's different, but I. You know, I like people being smart and trying yeah, to come yeah, up yeah. with well, interesting Marino ways. Was the smartest. To, I guess so, yes. Yeah. Did you see Wednesday? Well, you probably didn't, but Wednesday night in the 87th minute of the Champions League match between Chelsea and Juventus, it's, this is the women playing. A man in a black jacket and gray sweats walked onto the pitch and tried to get selfies with all the players. No. Chelsea soccer player Samantha Kerr took off and hit him with like a ferocious body check. Uh-huh. Think like a blindside block in football when a guy doesn't have his head on a swivel. She did this to this guy, this soccer player, knocked him on his ass, and the crowd went crazy. Loved it. I'm sure. And, and it actually helped the I'm security sure. catch up with him. But I mean, she's a world cat, you know, world class professional athlete. Yeah. Just, you got to see the video. I have not seen the video. Unloaded on him. This no. poor guy did not know oh, what hit God. him and landed right on his old tuchus. God. Awesome. <laughs> uh, I only have a couple of RIPs left. Okay. So if you have anything, should we do the RIPs and then 
move on on? Yeah, just a quick one for you. I don't know if you saw that the, there was an Arthur Fonzarelli auction. Really? Yes. I love Arthur Fonzarelli. Yes, it was great. So yeah. and th- these things went a lot higher than they thought. Amongst the most prized items, the 1949 Triumph Trophy 500 motorcycle that he actually rode on the show. Okay. They, the, his, the Fonz's motorcycle. Love him. $231,000 somebody paid for a 1949. And that's staggeringly more than they expected. Love him. Also, you, they had a, um, a Fonz's like wardrobe package. His actual costume from the show was on the block. $75,000. It had nice. the signature brown leather jacket, two white t-shirts and jeans, and a pack of a pair of black leather biking boots, which Beautiful. he wore all throughout the entire Beautiful. show. That, now, that would be a pretty cool thing to have. Let me tell you, at the same time, they were auctioning off Bill Russell's championship rings and all of his memorabilia yeah. this past week. Bill Russell, I think he auctioned off every single championship ring, Olympic gold medals and everything. I want Fonzarelli stuff. <laughs> of course. I don't want Bill Russell stuff. I, I want know. Arthur Fonzarelli stuff if I want anything. Awesome, right? Yeah. I mean, do you, you know why his no jacket question. was brown and not black? Did no. Well, how would I know that? Well, because when they first, because they didn't want people to look at him as a hood or as like, oh. as, as a bad guy. Yeah. Because he, he really wasn't. No. So they, the producers thought that the black kind of signified like gang villain. or villain. villain. Yeah. yeah. So that's why he always had oh. the brown leather Boy, jacket. There you go. Every day. Every day, yes. R.I.P.'s. There's a bunch. I've, well, I've got two. Okay. How many do you have? Uh, two, three, four, I think. Well, I probably have two of yours. Yeah. Certainly have one of yours. We have to talk about Demarius Thomas. Crazy, right? Yeah, I know. Just sick about it. 33, 33 years old, I think. 32, 33, 33. 34. He was actually going to be 34 in like a Christmas week. Christmas Day. Yeah. Yeah. Horrific, unsettling, found dead in a, uh, in a shower in his house. Yep. I guess he was suffering from some sort of a medical condition that brought on seizures. Uh, you might not remember that when the Seahawks won their Super Bowl against the Denver Broncos in such a uh, dominant fashion that late in the game, uh, Demarius Thomas came up with 13 catches. Yeah, I remember. Which at that time was a Super Bowl record. He was a five-time or six-time Pro Bowler. Everywhere you turn, you see how gentle and how nice of a guy he was. Had a difficult upbringing. I think his mother went to jail at age 10. Wow for selling drugs or being in the, in, in the drug thing. Um, Demarius Thomas, 33 years old. Just finished his playing days, maybe the last year or two. Very good wide receiver for a lot of years with the, the Denver Broncos. Such, just, a hor- just a horrible story. It just kind of blindsided me when I read it. Like, really? Uh, Demarius Thomas? He Demarius can't be that Thomas. old. I mean, and what, a, what a cool, unique combo of size and speed. I yes. mean, you see it every once in a while. Boy, he was big and strong, but could, like, house it, too. He was fast. I mean, incredible, incredible, much better than Jermaine curse 63, no kidding. 63 touchdowns. He caught throughout his career. He's very good. The biggest one that he caught was an overtime first play of overtime in a playoff game. I have that against against the Steelers. Yeah, I have that Tim Tebow on the delivery. Incredible. Yeah, that's like one of the first things I think of. He was really, really good. I don't know. He wasn't a Hall of Famer, but he was, you know, he was one of those guys that was one of the first wide receivers picked in your fantasy league. Let's put it that way. He was. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he was really good. Yeah. Five or six times a Pro Bowl. Yeah, really good. 33. Really good. Yeah. Really good. And the other one I have is um, Michael Nesmith. Got it. Yep. I figured you would bring that one to the table. So yeah. He is a guitarist and singer for The Monkees. Yep. Who penned many of the group's most enduring songs. Like... I have no idea. <laughs> hey, hey, for the monkeys. Yeah, well, yeah probably. Dun, 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 what about da, da, da. last train to Clarksville dun, 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 at the no. station? Daydream Believer. What was the name of the, the main guy? 
Davey. Uh, Mickey Dolans. Oh, oh no. D- Davy Jones. Davy Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think Davy Jones might have been on the the Brady Bunch. Mm, no? Maybe. I may have But they had their own show, yeah. so I don't know if yeah. it was competing or not. The Monkees, yeah. 78 yeah. years old, died from natural causes. Yeah. Uh, monkey singer and guitarist Michael Nesmith. Who else do you have? Last Train to Clarksville, Daydream Believer, I'm a Believer, Valerie. Oh, yeah, and, I know some of those. Yeah, yeah. Daydream Believer, you yeah. know, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. I, but actually, this is actually pretty cool. One of his biggest impacts um, after the group disbanded, he helped launch MTV by pitching oh. a show called Pop Clips, which evolved into the 24-hour music channel Don't MTV. And by the way, his mom famously invented liquid paper, also known as Whiteout. Really? Yes. His mom His did? mom. Oh, that was fabulous. Became a nice little cash yeah. register for the family throughout the years. I just realized that I did have one more. You talked about an invention, and I totally freaked. Go on. Have you read about the newly approved v- Vuity? The eyedrop? Have you read about this? No. It debuted on Thursday. It hit the market on Thursday. It it clears up age-related bl- blurred vision. You know, all of us who wear readers like well, me. I need a pair. You I now can put in drops. It was approved by the it's Food incredible. and Drug Administration in October. It would potentially replace reading glasses for some of 128 million Americans who have trouble seeing close up. The new medicine takes effect in 15 minutes. You put it in your eye, one drop in each eye, and 15 minutes later, you've got sharp reading vision. How does that work? I want to be the person that invented that. <laughs> I know. What a, Why couldn't I have done it? Crazy Forget technology. Podcast, I would be boring Frank and Tacoma all these years. Is there a drop? Frank and Tacoma could be rid of me if I would just have come up with this. Oh, God. Come up with a drop that makes us funnier and more entertaining. No, I like this. I like to come up with this this one. If I'm going to be an inventor or something and this really works. um, What's the tech on that? How does that work? Tony Wright, one of 750 participants in a clinical trial to the test drug, said she liked what she saw, no pun intended. It's definitely a life changer, she told CBS. One drop in each eye, and 15 minutes later, you can read everything without your readers. Un- I mean, I'm... That's crazy. I'm not a drop, uh, an eye drop guy. I get a little freaked out. I get a little wigged out with something in my eye. Yeah. But I, I'm... You're in on this. I'm going to try it unless somebody like, I'm going to wait a couple of months to see if anybody goes blind from these things. Sure, smart. Or if something happens, they grow, their nose grows anymore. Oh, you don't need me. that. I oh, can't have God, that. No. Um, I wouldn't but, know but this is, uh, this is unbelievable. I couldn't believe it when I read it. It's all over the news. So when you put a drop in, how long does it last though? 10 hours. Oh, okay. Six, six to 10 hours. Six to 10 One hours. One drop. See, now if I were inventing it, okay. Yeah. I wouldn't let the drops last that long. Six to ten minutes is more like it. Well, I'd so like, we gotta keep I'd, burning I'd, yeah, I'd like to see you guys <laughs> burning through that stuff. Six to yeah. ten hours. Yeah, Shit, right. You're going to get like one bottle every six months, for yeah, God's sake. Like Tabasco sauce. Just, yeah. It's never yeah, empty. Yeah, yeah. Never. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Isn't that pretty cool? Yeah, yeah. For a lot of us, that's super cool. Yeah. I, I need a lot to- of people are probably listening to saying... Why didn't you lead off episode 170 with this? <laughs> yeah. This is bigger than any Seahawks game. Amazing, amazing invention. All right, All right. the last RIP is Anne Rice. She was an accomplished author. I don't know the name uh, Anne Rice. Yeah, I do know that name. Her now most famous work was her first novel, Interview with the Vampire, Vampire. back in 1976. Yeah, she was How kind old? of a big deal. Uh, I didn't put it for some reason. I think she was 78, I okay. want to say. All right. Uh, but yeah, as you know, Interview with the Vampire was a pretty big movie in 1994 with... Starring Johnny Depp? No. Incorrect. Interview with an. Give me a. Give me multiple. I. I. I, I just. Two can't. males that are just big time movie stars. 
Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. And Brad Pitt. Okay. Interview was so big, it was the inspiration for a bunch of shows and movies, including The Vampire Diaries and Twilight. Okay. So there you go. Anne Rice, rest in peace. All right, that's it? Uh, Yes, I got... uh, So I wanted to try a few headlines with a joke for each, if you don't mind, because I found some interesting stories. Are we we veering off of our normal... Yeah, we are. I just wanted to try... Hot shot ending to a... Okay. All right. Is this going to like upset you? Might, you? Not going to upset me, but you might wake Frank in Tacoma up. Well, that's why I'm doing it. I, I, I wanted something fresh <laughs> right. for Frank because he thinks it's fail. I'm ready. The bell didn't sound like it was ready. You sure you're ready? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Hell oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. OnlyFans model Kazumi, 24, has been so busy with work, she was worried her boyfriend might need something really special for Christmas this year. So she's gifting him relations with another woman. As you can imagine, the boyfriend was surprised and said, this isn't really what I had in mind for a gift when I asked her to think outside of the box. A 15-year-old boy... (laughs) A 15-year-old boy is set to become the youngest graduate in the history of UNLV, while the oldest graduate continues to be Larry Johnson. I don't know. He just always looked old to me when he was there. Hold hold on. Yeah. There's something... Yeah. uh, So you weren't going where I thought you were going on that. No. What was his nickname, Larry Johnson? Oh, Grandma Ma. Yeah, oh, old. Oh, there you That's what I thought. That's where I thought the punchline. Where the hell were you? I needed you sitting in my <laughs> office next to me. Organizers of a beauty contest. Wait, you have an office? Go ahead. Kind of. Organizers of a beauty contest for camels in Saudi Arabia said 43 animals have been disqualified for receiving Botox treatments, facelifts, and other cosmetic procedures. Oh, my God. Take it very serious. Judges did, however, claim that the feet of the camels were not messed with at all, saying that they had what's called the perfect camel toe. No saw that, that one? one? No. Saw, saw that one coming at like 10 miles away. <laughs> Jessica Rabbit. Yes. Will be fully covered up in Toontown's classic Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin ride instead of a buxom blonde shell, bombshell. She's now going to be a trench coat wearing private eye. Not to worry, said a Disney spokesperson. Donald Duck will still be without pants. <laughs> and finally, Tom Kent of London, who previously set the Guinness record for largest balloon costume with an eight foot seven inch Pikachu costume in 2017, yeah. beat his own record with a Hulk costume he reconstructed from balloons for this year's Liverpool Comic Con 2021. Nice. Stands 11 feet seven inches. What's next for Tom Kent? Dying alone. <laughs> All right. Oh, very good. You went off the board there. I, I think yeah. I like that one better. I think I like that style better. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because sometimes if it's one story, I'm kind of forcing them. Yeah. You know, just find some funny headlines. Yeah, and, if yeah. it's easier for you, I think it's easier on our ears. Is it? I like it. <laughs> less, less torturous I'm, that I'm way? I'm in favor of the new style. Yeah. Maybe we can do a poll. All right. I think, uh, yeah, I like it. Episode 170, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy the holidays. Uh, what is it? Uh, we're releasing this on 12 13 so the next one will be christmas week yes will be our next show all right that's it episode 170 is in the books